Welcome everybody to episode 49 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. It is heartwarming to watch the football community submitting items and then interacting on the social media pages. It is a credit to our community that people continue to contribute, comment and reminisce. And for this I am thankful and grateful. Jerry Walker is our interviewee in episode 49. Jerry was born in Glasgow in 1947 and began his football journey in the 1950s. His football journey is amazing. Jerry has a sense of adventure and has accomplished so much in his time in football. In this two-part episode, Jerry discusses his footballing journey of playing and coaching across three continents. My sincere thanks go out to Jerry for giving up his time for this interview. It was an absolute pleasure and honour to listen to Jerry. Please enjoy part one of episode 49. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the leafy surrounds of Coromel and I'm here with a very, very special guest in Jerry Walker. Jerry, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Travis. Good morning to you, mate. Let's uh, start from the beginning. You were born in Glasgow in 1947. What is your first memory of football? Well, my uh, first memory was actually when I first bought my uh, my first soccer strip. Uh, I can even actually remember the uh, the sports the sports uh, place where I bought them was a place called Lumley's in Glasgow. And uh, I went in there with my mum and um, bought a nice red and white uh, shirt, white shorts and red and white socks and a pair of brown <laughs> soccer boots that came up, up above my ankles. And uh, you had to actually uh, put the studs in by hammering them in with nail, uh, nails and hammers. And it was quite quite a, quite a big change to what they are nowadays. So you're even at that early age, you uh, had a love for, for the game? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, um, I was always kicking a ball around and things like that, you know, probably, yeah, it was probably born in me, I suppose, mate. And your uh, first organised game of football was with Mary Hill Life Boys in in 56, roughly. Uh, What do you recall of of your time at Mary Hill? Well, uh, yeah, you're you're right there, mate. It was was probably my first, as you say, organised game, where it was an, an official team game. And uh, again, funnily enough, it, uh, strangely enough, the, the, the strip that the, the, the boys had was actually red and white, so I didn't have to go far to, uh, to, change, to, to get changed, mate. Yeah, I've changed my shirt there. And, and at your time at, uh, at Mary Hill, um, you did then rep- represent your district in Kelvin Grove? That's correct, yeah. I remember one day I was, I was in, in my back, back streets of the Glasgow, where, where I lived, in the tenement buildings. And I saw this uh, gentleman come down the stairs, and he put his head head out the window and shouted, "Jerry!" And, and it was uh, it was actually the chap who took charge of the side, and he asked me what what he was doing there. That he was wanting me to uh, to play for the Kelvin Grove District. And in those days, you know, they didn't post letters or anything. That was all <laughs> word by mouth. Yeah. And and for yourself, um, are there any uh, sort of players or or a or a, a coach that you can remember from those days? Well, as Trevor, um, Travis, sorry, they, they didn't really have coaches. I, I yep. felt in those days, it was just it was just more or less an organizer. 
Okay. I just I just forget his name now, mate. But he 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 was he was, you know, quite an elderly gentleman. And um, but he was a he was a, he was a captain of I think the ninety third company, and he was a very okay. very organised man. And and next uh, on the list of uh, of teams that you played with was was Napier Shaw Street, and 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 you played there as a goalkeeper. That's, what do you recall of that? That's correct. Uh, <laughs> I was always one for, you know, even even when I was back home, I used to always dive around and things like that. And um, I was just in the, in the school playgrounds. And um, my teacher at the time, again, his name eludes me, but uh, I used to drive dive around in the concrete and, and things like this. <laughs> and uh, he was he was obviously pretty impressed by this. And <laughs> and then he came up and saw me and he said that they were looking for a goalkeeper to play in the school side and would have been interested. So... I finished up getting the uh, the yellow jumper in my hand. Yeah, was that the only time in your career that you that you played in goals? Uh no, probably further on. I'll, I'll I can give you a, a situation uh, which which occurred. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't too bad at the goalkeeper. I played a few goals in here and there against the good sides, but I was wasn't too bad. And before we get on to uh, your next your secondary school experiences there. Um, as, as a player with Woodside, I want to talk about 1959-1960, uh, where you were a ball boy for Partick Thistle, um, who were in the Scottish First Division at the time. Um, what are your memories of being ball boy at Fir Hill? Yeah, well, they they were great. I um, that was a good introduction, uh, probably to my my uh, forthcoming professional career, if you could call it. Um, there was a gentleman that knew my father. Again, he was uh, tied up or associated with Partick Thistle. And I was always asking him, you know, was there a chance of becoming a ball boy? And, and it came some time before he actually he, uh, he got back. He didn't get back to me, but he, he came in and said, Jerry, I've got, a, I've got a good opportunity for you. So I went up to Fair Hill, and it was, it was tremendous, you know, being amongst the professionals, the Davy McParlins, Emily Duffy's, John Freeburns. Uh, it was a tremendous, tremendous time. But uh, um, one of the big things that was was, was very good for it was uh, the ball boys used to be actually in the uh, the boot room. That's where we get dressed yep. and unchanged. And uh, there was a, the manager at the time was a chap called Billy Thornton, who was a, who was a, an ex Rangers player. And uh, I remember one year, um, it was early in the day, early in the time that. Um, Partick Thistle actually get into the final of the Charity Cup, playing against Celtic, and uh, he came into our changing rooms and handed each of the ball boys a, a ticket oh, wow. for the game. So uh, that was that was a big thing for us. And and for yourself, um, uh, Partick then were and, and not disparaging Partick, but they were a bigger team back then than they probably have been in recent times, and and so it must have been a huge buzz for a 12, 13 year old to. Have Celtic and Rangers uh, playing at Fir Hill, and and the crowd must have been amazing. Yeah, that was that was that was a good point. Uh, get, walking into the stadium just gave you that feel as though you were somebody. And uh, prior to the game commencing, we used to the ball boys used to actually run up the the steps and onto yep. the grounds. And of course, the minute the minute they saw our heads, you know they knew <laughs> the game was about to start. So. Uh, delirium, or that's or that's a word. Yeah, they, yeah. They just, they just went off, and uh, and again, it gave you. Oh, I can just imagine myself being here when we're players. You know, it's, it's a fantastic buzz. And do you think um, part of you, um, from a footballing sense, learnt a great deal because you're watching quality players, 
um, play football. So you're seeing how to do things properly and, and that might have helped you just a little bit further down the track? Uh, yeah, probably so, Travis. Um, you know, we, we weren't allowed to actually stand in the dressing room, but we were always, we were always able to hear um, Billy Thornton, the manager, instruct what was going wrong and what was happening and, and things like this. And, and even even the players themselves, some of them were some of them were great. You know, after the game, um, you know, they would have a chat to you. And uh, one big thing I can I can remember was that uh, back in those days they had these big sunken baths, and, yep. and that's where the players jumped into right after the game. And we had to wait until the bulk of them got back out again. But we'd, we'd you know we'd go we'd go in there after because it was pretty cold in some yep. of the days. And, and we'd sit down and have a chat to them, and the players would ask us what we're doing and this and that. So, little little pieces of inter- information came backwards and forwards between between us. So, yeah, it could have had a, a an effect. And and just watching them out on the ground. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was something that uh, it was something that I probably looked at and, and and assessed, but 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 not to too much depth. In those days, you know, a, a thirteen or fourteen year old boy. You're, you're just excited at being just excited the at being, being there and in, in, in the situation as it is. And in your timeline, you mentioned um, when you were a ball boy there at, at Partick uh, that there's a, a link between yourself and and um, some other players in Jim Lumsden, Peter Kerr, Neil Duffy and Eddie uh, Connishan. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about yes. the link? Sorry, Travis. Yeah, Jimmy Lumsden was actually, he wasn't a player. Jimmy Lumsden was a ball boy along okay. with me. And uh, uh, later in life, and um, Jimmy Jimmy played for a, a very good youth side in Glasgow. Um, Glasgow United is yep. the name. And they were a very good side. Eddie Gray, who went on to play for Leeds United, also yeah. played for them and Scotland, Eddie Gray did. But Jimmy did quite a good career for himself too. Um not probably so much as a year as a player, but uh, he actually finished up uh, being assistant coach to David Moyes oh, wow. at both Everton and Manchester United. So um, although he may not have hit the heights in the playing side of things, he, he, he did very hit well. The heights in- Don't know where he is today, but uh, you know, being at being at both those clubs is under that is quite a good achievement. And in your senior school football, you played halfback for Woodside. Uh, what do you remember of this part of your footballing life? Yeah, well, that's probably things got a little bit more. Things got a little bit more serious then. Um, uh, the school teacher, I remember his name was Mister Rogers. He was French of all things. Would you believe he? <laughs> no, he wasn't French. He was a French teacher. Teacher, and uh, him and I got on very, very well, and um, he made me captain of the side. And, but as I say to you, that was more or less things, you know, you, you started to begin to pay attention and winning games was, was of great importance. Yeah. And uh, you then, uh, in your timeline, you uh, then joined uh, Kelvin Amateurs um, in 1961. Um, yeah. You spent a, a couple of years there and, and in particular, um, you won the Glasgow Council Indoor Five-A-Side Tournament. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, uh, uh, it's funny, it's, it's strange. It was actually when I was at school, I was at Woodside at the time, so I was actually playing for Kelvin Amateurs at when both. I was at Woodside School. And uh, the, the, one of the evening times of Daily Record, I can't remember which paper, but they actually advertised a, a five-a-side tournament. And I, I was the one that actually got the side together. Oh, wow. And we finished up, I finished up calling the side 
Kelvin Wood Athletic, <laughs> which was part of Kelvin and part of Woodside. And um, we went on to actually win that tournament. And uh, some of the boys went to Woodside, and, and obviously some of the boys played with Kelvin Amateur, so there we go. So a good mix of yeah, both teams. Travis, I just, just remembered one thing. Yeah. yeah, Going back to the Partick Thistle ball boy days, um, I neglected to say that uh, there was two players then who played for Partick Thistle at the time. One was Peter Kerr, yep. and another, another one was Neil Duffy. Yep. And uh, later on in life, I actually run into them again on, a, on, a, on the soccer field, but we'll probably get to that sometime. Yeah, definitely. You then, um, when you're playing at Kelvin Amateurs, you were spotted by Postle Park YMCA in 1962 and, and were invited to join the, the under-16s team. Um, how did this make you feel? Because um, I guess the next uh, part of this interview, you'll tell us uh, quite a bit about um, Postle Park and its rich heritage that it has in, in producing uh, quality players. Um, and and success on the park. So, um, how did that make you feel when when you're invited down? Yeah, well, I say back then uh, you just didn't walk sort of walk into a side like uh, Postle Park. I mentioned to you earlier about Glasgow United. Well, Postle yep. Park at that time were sort of on their way up and, and yep. challenging likes of Glasgow United and another great Glasgow side called Drumchapel Amateurs. They were challenging to that that category. And uh, it was an actual invite. Um, Bobby Denny, actually, who was in charge of the t- team at the time, he actually came round to meet my parents and asked me permission if I could come and join them. So that that's the sort of uh, professionalism that the club had. Well, you've mentioned uh, the gentleman's name, Bobby Denny, and, and let's talk a bit about him um, because yeah, you still have an ongoing relationship with him and... Um, his success, um, if people wanted to Google it or, or search the internet, is quite easy to find. But if you can, tell us a bit about Bobby Dinney and, and a bit of his story. Well, Bobby Dinney's actually got a book and it's called The Scout. Um, it's Bobby Dinney's story. Yep. And uh, it starts with him as a, as a young teenager. And one, one of the features at the beginning of the book, he's, he was actually born in Glasgow in Mary Hill. This yep. is when I played played life, life boy football. His house was actually bombed during the war. And uh, a person who was in the house at the time had previously just left his house about five minutes before. And he was actually he was actually killed in, yeah. in the, the tragedy. Bobby, Bobby um, obviously had to leave the house at the time and move to a place in what they call Burdowie Street. And that was actually situated about uh, five minutes' walk from, from the... Uh, the Denmark Street place where Postle Park uh, started out. Um, I think Postle st- first started out. I'm just not, not really too sure now on that. But I yep. know it's, and and it so started. for you, uh, Bobby Dinney, in how he was a, a professional, um, even back then, um, came to your house, invited you down. Um, it must have been a, a huge thrill when you went down there. Yeah, yeah, it was. I actually, uh, I wasn't old enough. Bobby was in charge of the youth side at the time, but he, yep. overall he was in charge of Postle Park as a club. And uh, Junior Semple was, was, was the chap who took me on the under-16s. Yep. But Bobby always had an interest um, in what you were doing and how you were playing and things like this. And uh, I remember, I remember 
after one of the games after I'd played for the for the boys side, we were playing at Persire Juniors Park. Yeah. And uh, Bobby came in and said that one of his players wasn't quite sure whether he'd be able to play next week and asked me if I would be interested or if I was, if I was available to play. Of course, yeah. of course I was. <laughs> Finished up not playing because uh, the chap he was talking about was a fella called Ian Ross, <laughs> who uh, went on to, to another famous famous career. For you, um, you then, um, I think this is around 64, 65 that you're with Postle Park. Um, you were picked in a in a trial match attended by uh, representatives of uh, Arsenal FC. Um, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, that was, um, as I said to you, that time, Possible were really, really going going through an act, you know, up the, up the ladder as far as uh, a production of, of players to turn into the professional game. And um, they had gained a sponsorship uh, from Arsenal Football Club. Yep. There was a chap called Neil Levin, a young fella. He was the first player to sign for Arsenal. And um, I believe that Arsenal set up a, um, a fund to to support uh, to support Postal Park YMCA, which enabled them to buy their strips and things like that. And in actual fact, Postal changed their colours from blue to to the Arsenal strip. Because uh, of that, because of that but, connection. Yeah, getting on the trial was actually held at Burdow Street, which was again a two minute walk from Denmark Street, and uh, it was quite exciting. Um, played the game, had the memories. I remember I'd played quite well. Yep. And I thought I did anyway. And uh, we went back to Denmark Street, uh, where, where, the, where the guys met us. And Bobby came out individually and pulled out the players to come into the... There was a little side room yep. off the main hall. And then he mentioned to me that, uh, that I had been chosen out to, to go down and to go down as Arsenal as, a, as an apprentice professional that was at the time. And I couldn't, couldn't believe it. And um, that... That sort of uh, trial to go down there didn't eventuate at that point in time um, because you, you had an injury, is that correct? No, that's, that's, not, that's not quite. Um, <clears throat> we weren't able to go down at that time because um, we had actually, it was more or less, we were still in season. Okay. okay. So we, we had to finish our season. We, we, we were having a very, very good run in the, in the league, league uh, which, we, which we'd, we won, we probably would have won. You know, two or three years even before I was there, but uh, we also had a very good run in the Scottish Amateur Cup, uh, uh, which we actually went on to win that year. At first, the first time in the club's history that the that the team had won the Scottish Amateur Cup, under eighteen cup, national cup. So tell us a bit about the, <coughs> that um, under 18s uh, Scottish Amateur Cup because it's a, a prestigious cup to win, yeah. and um, it's across all of Scotland, isn't it? Yeah, it is it is. Uh, it was uh, we played some very very good sides and, and again they, they elude me but the the one team that does stay in my mind was uh, was this side called Drum Chapel Amateurs who were a fellow yep. Glasgow side and, and I hadn't played I hadn't played I didn't play because as you mentioned um, I, I I had an unfortunate incident uh, where where I broke my ankle I can tell you a bit more about that but. Getting back to the Drum Chapel amateurs, I remember in the quarterfinals I went down to see the boys play, and they beat this Drum Chapel amateur side six nil. You know, <laughs> and um, it was fantastic. It was, you know, it was, that's how that's how strong Postal Park were. And and I guess the prestige that goes with winning 
the amateur cup must have put Postle Park on the map even more so than it than it was. Ah, uh, very much so. You know, as I said to you, Arsenal, they we were the first. You see, we were we were taken in by Arsenal. Arsenal, sorry, as a nursery side. Yep. Um, the, the, the chap who who was in charge of the scouting system was a fella called Joe Hill, but he also had associations with um, Sunderland. Yep. And uh, later on, uh, a couple of other clubs jumped on the bandwagon. Was Coventry City, um, but that but that was, it was you know there was scouts coming round every week to to watch to watch Postal Park play. It was it was a great time for the club. And apart from some of these other clubs that you mentioned, including Postal Park, it must have been, like you said, a, a rich nursery of of quality players that Scottish football was producing at that time. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, can I go back to the uh, the incident when I when, yeah. you know, back back when I'd been picked to go down to Arsenal as a, as a as a um, as a apprentice professional, that meant that was like sixty four I think it was, and that yep. meant we were to we were we were to go down to London in nineteen sixty five. Um, unfortunately to me, I actually played in a game uh, up at Maryhill Juniors and I finished up breaking my ankle, and that put me out of business for. Quite, quite some time, a long time. So, uh, uh, yeah, that took me a long, long time to go over that. Actually. And was that a bit of a, apart from the physical um, recovery that you needed to go through, did that sort of give you a bit of a, I guess, a, a mental uh, downside because you sort of, well, I'm going down to Arsenal and, mm. and now I can't. So was that a bit of a sort of downer for you that you oh, needed course, to pick yeah. yourself up from apart from recovering from the, yeah, the of physical course it, of course it was and um probably one of the one of the failures on my part was that I was just too keen to get back, you know. Okay. I, I don't know whether I really gave myself enough time. But uh as I say, uh, these things happen in life and uh, that's the way it is. But getting back to the uh, getting back again to the side, uh some of the players that played played them in the same team as me, it was Two guys in particular, one was called Jim McGill and the other chap was called uh, Ian Ross. Yep. Now, these two boys, Jim actually went on to play, he actually signed up in 1965. He actually made 31 appearances for, for Arsenal in the wow. first team. Uh, Ian Ross, he went up, sorry, Jim went on to play for Huddersfield, a couple of other sides, like, things like that, but uh, he actually came out here to Australia to play for a team in Melbourne. I just can't remember now what team it was, but he did. In the Federation days. In the Federation, yes, yes. Now, Ian Ross, was, was he actually left at an early, even though he was on our side, he was picked up uh, by Bill, Bill Shankly, wow. and he left immediately. Uh, they just saw him and they said, right, you're coming down. Unfortunately, we, you, you missed, we missed Ian, you know. But uh, he went on to play something like 69, 69 appearances for Liverpool. And he played against the greats, like in the European Cup, the, the German players, and you know they were playing something about it. They called him El Kaiser and gave him a yep. nickname of that. But uh, and he, some of the other he, guys that you that are on that list from from that um, Scottish Amateur Cup winning team, yep. um, name some of the other players because there's some a whole host of people that went on to become professional players. Yeah, there was. It's uh, it's funny, yeah, not funny. It's strange, but. Uh, Five of the uh, of the safe, five of the players that played in that Scottish Amateur Cup final turned professional. Uh, it was just it was just unbelievable. The guys like Johnny Corr, Johnny Corr went down to Arsenal. Yep. Jim Eady went to West Ham United. Um, 
you know, I could go on, Travis, but uh, yeah. it's incredible. But behind us, behind us, uh, two years, two years behind us, there's two very, very famous names to 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 pop up, and one was uh, Eddie Kelly, yep. who played for Arsenal, who went to Arsenal, and of course uh, the great Kenny Dalglish, and uh, yeah, so they were they were in the boys the boys side at the time, so they came through later on. And, and with those two players in particular, that um, you know yourself, how hard it is to become a professional. And um, sometimes it's a bit of luck, uh, like you, you said, you had an injury. Fortunes and misfortunes, you know, yes. And, yeah. and sometimes it, it's not necessarily <clears throat> yeah. the talent alone, but with those two players, could you see uh, the players that they would become? I probably couldn't see it, but... Uh, but Bobby uh, Dinney could. Bobby Dinney, but Bobby Dinney obviously could. And, um, but, you know, we did, we did, as youth players, you know, look, look up, look down on, not look down on these guys, but, you know, you know, cheer them on and yeah, give them yeah. a clap. We used to watch them and Support you can see that they were good players, you know. But there's a couple of other good players there too. A young fella called uh, Johnny Hamilton. He used to call yeah. him Dingy Hamilton. He went on to play for Rangers. Um, all in all, from, from 1964 until 1969, there was actually, would you believe, 25 players turned as turned into professional football players. It's a phenomenal record yeah. and, yeah. And, and it must be something... Um, that you're proud of now to to still be a part of, and and even more so that um, it wasn't just football; it was relationships. Because you've gone back to Scotland many times and, yeah. and 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 met up with Bobby Dinney and have got an ongoing relationship with the man. Yes, most certainly. Every every Christmas, every time, not well, yeah, I'll, I'll stay there. Every Christmas time, we exchange cards and or phone calls and things like this. Um, Bobby was a perfect gentleman. He was, uh, I think he was, he was a little bit religious. That's where the YMCA started yep. up. I think he, he went down and he was get involved and he used to travel over to Europe and things like that for YMCA meetings. I think that's what started the ball rolling for Bobby. Then he came back to Glasgow and going yep, back, yep, obviously, obviously started up. That's correct, that's it, because <clears throat> it was a hall. It wasn't wasn't a big hall. It was a hall that was used for the, the Postal Park community. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, everybody became proud, and everybody came and watched us play. But uh, Bobby, um, I remember the first time I came back from South Africa. Uh, later on in the story, and I arranged to meet Bobby for the first time in Glasgow. And I turned up in a pair of jeans and you know a casual jacket, and there was Bobby standing there in cold with a, a shirt and tie on, his long trousers and a coat and a, and a scarf. You know, he was he was always the perfect gentleman. Um, even even today, you know when I've been back there four, four or five times, and every time I go to see Bobby, and uh, every time you go to his house, he's got his collar and tie on. So that's just the gentleman he is. And and for me, it, it speaks volumes about him and and yourself that that relationship from so many years ago, so many decades, mm. is is still ongoing, and there's a, a mutual respect there. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, you know he's a great man. I, I don't know how old he is now, but. I'm, Quite sure he'd be, be wearing none of it, but uh, his wife's still alive. Uh, he's got a family of two. I think I think both of them are in, in the states. Uh, good quality coaches. Uh, don't think they had any great playing career, but uh, they've done very very well in in the coaching scenario. And uh, <coughs> I guess overall, he he spent uh, you know uh, not just in the sixties there. He went on to to stay at Postle Park for a period of time there, and and I guess in a extremely positive way uh, affected the community 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the name, the name of Postal Park because it was quite a, it was quite a hard area of Glasgow, and uh, as they say, the word respect came into it when they saw the amount of players that were turning up, coming from all sort of places in, in yeah. Scotland for to play for them. Um, yeah, it was it was very very good. It was uh, yeah, it's a great great time to see for for Bobby, and uh, I think he's he actually, as I said, he finished up getting a book called The Scout, which uh, covers his life from when he was a boy right through to how he went on um, postal, yep. went on to become uh, head scout at Partick Thistle, and he also went on to actually take... John Gregg was the manager of Glasgow Rangers at the time, and uh, he offered uh, Bobby Denny uh, the youth to take over the youth setup. I think Bobby took that on, actually, and... I don't know. That's obviously, obviously, that's when he he probably finished leaving Postal Park. Okay. A great story, and 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 sounds like a a very very good man. So for you, um, you went down to Arsenal, um, and that was probably is, was it around sixty five? Yeah, around sixty five. Can you tell us, uh, you know, after you recovered, you you get the chance to go down there. Were you excited at at going down to to take take on that trial at Arsenal? Well, I obviously, <coughs> I often thought about it, and during the uh, during my recovery, I used to always speak to Bobby and say, them, are, are, "Are Arsenal still interested in things like this?" And um, he told me that they were. So, yep. um, I got an opportunity to go down there again, and uh, I played a couple of games. And I remember one game in particular, played against Cambridge, and I thought I had a very, very good game. Yep. And, um and the side that night was uh, Pat Rice, famous Pat Rice, who became captain as well. And uh, we used to we, we trained at Highbury, obviously. Uh, sorry, sorry, at a lot place called London Colony, which was yep. the Arsenal training ground. So um, we went back, back in the bus, going back in the bus. I think a chap, I think his name was Les Wally. He, yep. he asked me how old I was, yep. and I told him. And I think at that time, and I don't say this is an excuse for me not getting no, taken no, no. on, but. Uh, he, uh, the next day after the game, he had a chat to me, and um, I got the indication was that I was too old by that time to sort of sign as an apprentice professional, and I would need to sign. You know, I, you know, he didn't really say that was the story, but unfortunately, things didn't work out. But while I was down, while I was down there, I've got to say to you, there's another thing too. I, I, I actually met a chap called Wilson Heppelwhite, yep. who, who again further down the track. Um, I bumped into Wilson, so you know that I think I think that was more or less. But I was a bit disappointed, obviously. But uh, you know, that's life goes on. You've got you've got to get up and go on with it. And and on the way back um, uh, from that Arsenal trial, was there a trial at Blackpool as well? Yes, uh, that, was, that was a good story. <laughs> uh, Jimmy McGill, who I've told you about, yeah, um, he was he was very he was, him and I got on real well. And he was actually staying in a hotel because he hadn't quite settled into digs and things like that. And he was actually staying at a hotel on Seven Sisters Road, which is a famous road in London, yep. um, on its way to Tottenham. And, and Blackpool, I think it must have been a cup game because I'm not sure if they were in the first division at the time, but Blackpool were staying in that hotel. Okay. And uh, Blackpool were playing Tottenham Hotspurs the night before. And... Um, and I remember them uh, coming back to the hotel, and I had actually, I was due to leave that day, yep. the same day as they were leaving, 
And Jim said to me, why don't you go down and have a chat? And, you know, and I said, oh, I can't do that. But <laughs> he finished up talking, talking me into it. So I went down to the uh, dining room and um, asked if I could see Mr. Ron Stewart, who was the manager at the yeah. time. He came out and I told him my story that I was on my way back to Glasgow after having trials with Arsenal. And, uh, yeah, he invited me back. He says, well, let's, you come with me and... Let's have a look met, at met the side together. Met the, went, went to the side, went to the station, got the train back to Blackpool, and yeah, he took me in for a trial. And and how did you go there? Yeah, quite good. I um, once again I trialed, and next thing I know, I'm back on the uh, back on the train to get back to Glasgow. But uh, I remember walking in one day from work, and uh, my mum said to me, "There's a there's a letter here for you, or a message here for you." Yep. And it's from Blackpool Football Club that they actually wanted me to come back down again. You know. Because that time, the first time I was back, we'd played Everton. Yep. We'd been the youth side. And again, I felt I played, had quite a good game. So, um, yeah, down I went for the second time, and I was rubbing my hands thinking, okay, this, this is, is it, this is it, this yep. is it. But, uh, again, things didn't work out, but, uh, you know. So. But at least you, uh, I guess, put yourself out there, and, yeah. and it still must have been... Um, I don't know if I would have had the courage to go down to the dining room <laughs> yeah. as a, I guess you were around 18 at the time yeah. and ask, a, you know, an adult man who's the manager of the side, yeah. can I have a trial? So that, that took some courage and to do that in itself. Well, I can tell you, it was actually Jim McGill that said, go on, Jay, go on, go on. I've got nothing to, nothing to lose here. Yeah, so exactly. I remember going in and there was a chap standing at the door um, I don't know whether he was security man. It wouldn't have been, I don't think, in those days. But uh, I just <laughs> said to him, do you think I could speak to Mr. the manager? I actually called him the manager of Blackpool <laughs> Football Club. I didn't call I didn't know his name at that time. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that maybe gave me a bit of guts or gumption in the years ahead of me, I suppose. And do you think, um, not looking for excuses and, and um, you know, you took your chances, but do you think uh, that injury sort of... Uh, you might not have been back to your best or it took a bit away from who you were as a player? Uh, I think so, you know, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll probably go on to tell you later on in my life that the, um, the leg that I broke, the ankle that I broke, I actually had a, fa- a major operation on it um, you know, down the track. So next, uh, in 66, you uh, signed with Peters Hill. Um who, who approached you to sign with the club. Mm. So uh, can you tell, um, before you tell us how that came about and how you went there, it, it's not a junior club as such. Um, it's more non like a non-league club, is that yeah. right? Well, junior football junior football in Scotland is, is probably, it's probably there. The idea of it was probably there for up-and-coming okay. up players. But it was, it, was, it was a fairly rugged type of league. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of ex-professionals who were on their way out for professional yeah. football would come by there, so you had to be you had to be very careful as to you know you wouldn't really bring a sixteen-year-old or seventeen-year-old. Okay. You'd, you'd, you'd really need to be a a bit of a man to play in junior yeah. football because it was a pretty rugged affair. You know, it wasn't it wasn't easy street. With Peters Hill Juniors, um, they approached you. Uh, how did you feel about signing with them? Well, again, I. Uh, it's, it came through through uh, through a friend of my father's um, who had known I'd been down to Arsenal and Blackpool and I was obviously had the credentials of of, of being a player. Um, yep. They invited me to come along and uh, went up there and, and and I actually signed with them. Uh, I was I was I was still. It took me a long time to go over my 
uh, rejection, for use yep. of a better word, from, from both Arsenal and Blackpool. But I saw it as an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to build myself up and, and, and you know, give, give my ankle a good test to, to what, I was, what I was about to take on. And like you said, it was a, a pretty rugged league. Um, so you definitely got that test from a physical point of view. And, and what position were you playing at, at this club? Yeah, I was playing uh, midfield yep. mainly. Mainly, um, I was I was quite a I was quite a good utility player though. Even when yep. I was at Postal, you know, I, I started going there as I actually as a forward. Okay. Used to score a few goals and then finished up went back to centre half. I also played a number of times at fullback for Postal. So I was, I was quite a versatile player, but I, I turned, turned into a sort of a basic marking type of player, you know. Um, yeah, it, was, it, was good, it was a good experience, but again, it, it was a good experience for further down the track, you know, that you're so versatile. And, and in the latter part of 66, uh, Joe Hill, who you've mentioned before, who was a scout with Arsenal, um, arranged for an interview with uh, the manager of South African club Cape Town City FC. So did that came out of the blue to you? Uh, yeah, it probably did. But um, I was actually, I was actually thinking, you know, about where I was going and what I was doing. And yep. uh, a good friend of mine, Davy McKnight, who played in that that Scottish Amateur Cup, and, and Davy and I were, were every time I went back to see Bobby, I always made a point of seeing see Davy. Uh, there's a good story about him actually. Yeah. Um, back in. Uh, Sixty-five after after the Scottish Amateur Cup after we broke it up, Davy actually came out to play for Panhellenic. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I think it was about sixty-six, maybe sixty-seven. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm come I come home again from work, and um, Davy's mum said, "There's a surprise for you in the living room." What's going on here? So I walk <laughs> in, and there's Davy McKnight sitting down on the couch. And the story that he has was that he he, he was actually called up for Vietnam. Oh, okay. So he uh, he exited stage right and uh, came back to came back to Scotland. So uh, back to Joe Hill. Um, you then, um, what were you thinking when um, he said, oh, ha- "Have an interview with this gentleman about a South African club"? What were you thinking, and what were your parents thinking? Well, at that time, I hadn't said it. I was I was probably giving my mum and dad indications that I wouldn't mind going over. Going over, looking yep. at going overseas, and it was probably Davy going going over to Australia. But at the time, I wasn't really considering Australia. It was just a little bit too far beyond for yeah. me. But uh, Joe Hill came up to me and mentioned he'd still kept in touch with me, and obviously through Bobby Diddy too, and said that uh, a, a friendship had got this relationship with with Mr. Red Smith, the manager of Cape yep. Town City, and he was over looking for players, for recruitment drive for for taking back to South Africa. So uh, he set up an interview, and I, that was only then it opened up to my mum and dad, and and um, I went to see him. Uh, forget now what hotel it was in. It was it was close to um, George Square. I forget now. Yep. But anyway, he and his wife were there in the lounge room, and I went in, introduced myself, sat down, and uh, you know, almost well, not almost. When I walked out of that hotel room, uh, I was more or less a Cape Town City player. You know, so. <laughs> I went home and told my mum and dad that I'd had this, you know, and uh, there was no... Reg, I take it, had gone off Joe Hill's assessment of me. Yep. And uh, he said, well, this guy's 19 years of age. He's playing for those, he's played for trials, he played trials for that, he can't be too bad. So, yeah, 
so he, he did he delved in and took the chance there's a bit of a trust there between those two gentlemen to yeah, them yeah yeah to give course, you the yeah. okay in those days i looked pretty fit too you know i was you know yeah looked pretty good and and for you um economically what what was it what was the pay like i guess going to cape town city versus i guess you had a job at the time mm. um apart from playing uh, football mm. at the weekend so what was it a, a good amount to then live off? Well, it because was, you're going to a new country. Yeah, exactly. There was a couple of things like back in those days. I, I was still an apprentice. Uh, I was actually an apprentice hairdresser, would you believe? Okay. And um, but we didn't get a lot of money, you yeah. know. And uh, I relied on my mum and dad a lot. But uh, and as far as playing for for for, for Peter's Hill, it wasn't Peter's Hill, it wasn't yeah. a great amount either. And 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 the money that, that Cape Town City were offering was was. Far greater than what you know. They, they, they ran, the time that there was Iran, that was the currency and the South yep. African currency. But uh, you also had to have a job. It wasn't full time then yep. in, in South Africa, so you had a, you had a job, and uh, they they arranged to a job for me, and uh, so off I went. And, uh, but the money that I was getting for playing for for playing for the club was far in excess. And in fact, I think it was probably even in excess of what players in Scotland would be getting. I don't know so much about England, but, you know, the, the, the young players I'm talking about now, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, top yeah, professionals, yeah. you know. So for you, um, uh, it must have been, I guess, difficult to then leave your family in, in, in Scotland, but it, it must have been uh, exciting to then be to joining this club and, and seeing another country. Yeah, I was pretty lucky when I went to South Africa because I, uh, I stayed in digs with a chap, once again, if he had a he had a real South African Dutch name, stayed yep. with him for a couple of weeks. But I I was I then had a I then had these people who were Scottish, who their dad knew my mum and dad. Oh wow! And they invited me. To, that's how small that's how small the world it is. <laughs> and they invited to come for me to stay. They had a they had a spare room, and um, they invited me to stay with them. And so that we, must have been a I guess a great comfort for oh, you. It was fantastic. Being, we all get homesick to yeah, certain degrees, yeah. but then must have been comfortable for your parents to find that that they were doing that for yeah, you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the um, Jim and Betty were their name. I just forget their second name, but their dad and my dad were were very, very good, very good, very close friends. And jumping about here a bit, Travis. But I remember the first time I went back from South Africa, Jim came, Jim came down and yep. had a tear in his eye. You know, I'd seen his daughter and things like this, but. Getting back to the uh, Cape Town situation, they 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 lived about um, about a 10, 15, no more than fifteen minute walk to Hartleyville. Yeah. So it was this, which it was, was the stadium it was this, of the team. It was just fantastic, you know. It was the setting and where I was, and as you say, the homeliness type thing was was there. They had a young son. Um, so you were very comfortable yeah, in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. So how did you find the football as a as a nineteen year old? Oh, it's fantastic, you know, like. You know, when I when I was in Glasgow speaking to Mr. Smith, um, he set out the picture and things like this. He had some photographs there to show me. Yeah. Set up, he, but seeing's believing. And yeah. uh, when I saw Hartleyville, it was like a typical English, probably second division. Okay. You know, there was four stands around the ground. Yeah. There was the floodlights. There was, you know, the main stand and the opposite stand and the coloured stand. Yep. Um, behind one of the goals, and they had the railway stand type thing. It wasn't a railway behind it, but it was it was more or less just like a small railway stand type thing. But it was 
totally packed and you know we we had crowds there we played most of our games at night time it was just fantastic it was it was unbelievable and were you playing in the midfield there as well yeah i uh, (coughs) yeah as i say went over there and i think i landed there in february uh 1967 and um the season started in around about april i think it was and i made obviously made such a good impression and yeah i remember playing a few trial games and and I knew I knew that I was playing well, and and I, I was playing with confidence. And but I get picked in the first game uh, of the season to go to Durban to yep. play Durban City. So that was a you know a good for me going a great boost because honestly the the, the setup at Cape Town, you know the, the travelling, the living the hotels, staying in the hotels, to go and play your games. It was just you know like a dream. You know. So even though. Uh, it w- probably would have been classed as a semi-professional the club that you joined in Cape Town were professional in terms of their preparation and, and how they uh, dealt with players oh most definitely um, you know as I say to you you had to, you had to see the, you had to see the stadium to, to believe and also our parents we had our ugly parents as I remember a quote came coming from some Liverpool manager years ago uh, they played at a place called Green Greenpoint Stadium yeah. and it was just like Wembley it was just completely our ground was all separate stands their place was just a complete saucer over the, park, over the top of the park it was it was fantastic you know it really you know, unbelievable to see the, the, the stadiums they could far outdo you know not, I wouldn't say far out. Do no, no, no. Some of the some of the stadiums in Scotland, it was fantastic. And and we're talking good crowds as well that oh, yeah, you're yeah, playing in front yeah, of. Yeah, if you your local derby, 25,000 people, packed. You know, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. And for yourself, um, were you, uh, I guess, feeling a bit better mentally? I, I guess, like you said before, you'd had a couple of rejections with the trials, but now. Um, you're proving yourself on the field. Yep. You're in the starting eleven. Yep. You're playing regular football. You must have felt very good about yourself in a footballing way. Of course, yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, confidence breeds success, I suppose. But, uh, but, 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 but looking looking back at it, though, there was there was probably a couple of situations that arose. Um, I probably could have handled a little bit more better had I been a bit more experienced. Uh, there's a couple of couple of situations that uh, you know popped up and I probably didn't handle too well. But On the field, you're talking about? Yeah, football wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, I I I started off. I I got a lot of good uh, reports. Yep. You know, um, there was a, a one report I remember. I got back saying something about watch Jerry Walker, the new Cape Town City player. He's up there with the Charlie Goffs and Freddie Frickleton. We were famous players Big with Highlands Park, league. you know, and so I was being compared with them, so you know, the head might have got a little bit out of order or whatever, but anyway, that's another story. But uh, I guess... But it's you, good, good you, to be, it's good to be, yeah, up to reckoned with them, yeah. But in hindsight, you were a 19-year-old man. Still only young, yeah. yeah so exactly. very young. Yeah. So uh, did you have uh, one or two seasons at Cape Town City? I uh, I had, say, about a season and a half, I think it was. Yep. Yeah. And then what brought about the... The change when you joined Port Elizabeth City. Well, as I said, I, there was a couple of situations that cropped up. That yep. um, we, I remember going to uh, to Durban um, later on that season, the same season, and we we, we get thrashed seven 0 and uh, there's a little incident. Well, not an incident, but it came back and 
Mr. Smith and I sat, sat, sat down. Didn't say and all didn't, Wasn't too happy about the things. And that, you know, I took, I took it on the chin. I was disappointed, but uh, I was left out the side a couple of times and I, and I started thinking about it. I just felt I was being sort of blamed a lot for that, yep. for that result and it didn't sit too well with me. A bit of a, a, a yeah. scapegoat for yeah, yeah, certain yeah, performances, yeah. whereas a yeah. team... But anyway, I went on and then at the end of the season, I thought, right, I'm going to start getting myself in fit shape here, you know, and I, did, and I did. And I started off the season again in the first team. Then later down the track, I found myself... Out again. Out again. And uh, at that time, there was um, P City, Port Elizabeth City. Yep. Uh, made a, an inquiry about me. Yep. And um, so it was that that's where I finished up going. Yeah. And and how did you find them? Um, and and how were, how was their ground and, and the players that you played with? Well, the setup wasn't the setup wasn't as good as what it was at Cape Town. The stadium itself was actually um, Chris, let's call it I think the Crusaders ground. It was an actual stand. Yep. It was a cricket ground. It was a cricket oh, okay. ground. The pitch, yep, yep. pitch. So there was there wasn't that locked in system that yeah. I had at Cape Town. But the year before, the year before that, Port Elizabeth had actually won the league championship. Oh wow! And uh, it was run by a chap called Jimmy Crossan. And in nineteen six, that I mean they won the they won the competition in sixty nine, and both sixty eight and sixty nine they were they were a full time team, they were the first full time to to play in South Africa. Um, but unfortunately, Jimmy Jimmy took a bit of a financial bump on that, um, so there was a bit of a problem there regarding substance in, in the club and where it on. But on the playing field. Few of the players left in in '69 because of yep. this, because of the full time, and went back to part time football. Um, so they lost quite a few of their high pro- profile players, but uh, we struggled a little bit. We struggled a little bit, you know, as far as results is concerned. Um, but yourself so, as a footballer, how were you going? Yeah, were you still yeah. in the midfield at, yeah, at Port Elizabeth? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. Um, um, not long after I left uh, to join Port Elizabeth, we actually played against Cape Town, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> that's golden memories there. We, we drew two all, uh, and then I remember later in the year we went back to play. We had two matches against them: one at yeah. our place and one at Cape Town, and um, for a for a charity relief fund. And we actually beat them twice. <laughs> and again, I played quite well. So again, I sort of thought, well, yeah, that's a bit of satisfaction there. But but Port Elizabeth, uh, still a lot of good players. Yeah. Um, there was a player there that I met, and it was. Going back to the Partick Thistle days, was a fellow called Peter Kerr. Yep. And uh, and also, there was another guy who played in the same year at Partick Thistle when I was a ball boy. It was Neil Duffy. Yeah. And he actually played for, I think it was East London Celtic he played for. And I used to always rouse to them and sort of say, oh, I remember you. And, you know, <laughs> and he used to always give me a slap in the ear, you know, and go, <laughs> tell me about that. I was a ball boy and they were players back then, you know. It's quite, quite a humorous laugh, yeah. So it's a it's a funny thing, life and and football in particular. That mm. you know, at, at one point in time you were a ball boy, and then yeah, that's right, and then yeah. you see them later on. Another good story about Port Elizabeth was um, uh, I was telling you about uh, a fellow called uh, Wilson Hepplewhite who, yeah. who was at Arsenal. Uh, we were going to play. I don't know who it was, but it was up in Johannesburg, yep. and uh, Ken Smith was the, the manager at the time, and uh, we were going to play this team, and I walked in the door. And who's standing there but Wilson Heppelt White and his <laughs> wife? He says, what are you doing here? And 
I said, what are you doing here? What am I doing? You know, and so, and so Wilson came and settled in Port Elizabeth, and him and I became very friendly, and his wife Lynn became became pretty closely associated. So that was another good story about about, about my travels, you know. Yeah, well, is that the the thing that you look most fondly about um, in South Africa that you sort of developed as a footballer, but you also developed some friendships as well? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like as I said, you've, um, Wilson Heppelwhite now, unfortunately, passed away at a fairly young age. But I still, well, not so much regularly now, but I still occasionally keep in touch with his wife, Lynn. She's, she was a Geordie last. Both of them were, were, yeah. were, were Geordies. And uh, she's actually living back in Newcastle now, so, yeah. And for yourself, um, you then finished up with Port Elizabeth City. Um, how did it come about that you uh, left South Africa and uh, came to Australia in, in April 1970? Well, once again, uh, there was a couple of, couple of scenarios to that. Was One was that um, Ken Smith, who was a manager at the time, there's a chap called when I first went to the club. There was it was actually the assistant manager from the year previous. He was a South American guy. He was in charge of the team at the time, but the results weren't going too well. So they, yep. they, they brought in this chap called Ken Smith, um, who again was a Jordy. <laughs> but uh, you know, I was him and I really didn't see eye to eye, and I don't think he liked me. But the feeling was mutual. <laughs> that was one of the reasons. And, um, the other reason was that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the club was getting in a bit of financial difficulty. Yep. And um, I, I actually went, I went back home to Scotland for a holiday. Okay. I think that would have been, would have been, because it was always closed down of the season, so it yep. was probably Christmas time. And uh, I'd spoken to a couple of chaps in my South, in my South African playing playing days. That uh, yep. one guy was called Frank Malone the Scottish block and he, he was telling me about the situation in, in Australia and um, I started thinking about it and I came back from my holiday and I went back um, and, and much to my pleasure when I went back Ken Smith had been replaced okay. with a chap called Gordon Fincham yep. and uh, honestly Travis you wouldn't believe it the, the, um, I was back in the side again and my form just was incredible. It was just unbelievable. You know, played played every game, played every game. You know, before I left for, for Australia, and I think uh, I think uh, Gordon was more or less thinking, you know, you know if only, you know, blah, yeah. blah blah blah. But uh, Jimmy Crossan had agreed to let me go, um, and so off I came. That's when I went back to Australia. Then, then sorry, went back to South Africa. I was only there for about six weeks, and I made a few. I tried, made a few contacts. I remember writing to a chap. So you were. It was Sorry. you that was doing the the chasing in terms of looking to come to Australia yeah. and writing letters. Yeah, exactly. To, to different clubs. Exactly. It's, uh, 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 again, my memory's not really too sure. Yeah. Of this, but I, I remember writing to a chap. It must have been an advert, yeah. and, and he was actually based in Melbourne. Okay. And he, I got a reply back from him to say that. You know, because of what I'd played and this and that, he felt that the place to go would be Sydney. Yep. Uh, they were a far stronger league, as they actually, as I learned later on in life, to wear. You know, yeah. when, when New South Wales went to play Victoria, you know, it was they always gave them a bit of a hump. And anyway, getting back to my story, he suggested a couple of clubs, um, yep. and I actually finished up writing to two of them. One was Panhellenic, yep. and one was South Coast United. And I. Uh, 
I actually got a, a reply back from both of them. Yep. But the whole setup they explained to me about South Coast and lifestyle out of yep. Sydney and I thought to myself, that seems more like my style. Yeah. So I actually I actually uh, said I'd join them, so they sent me out the air ticket. And later on, um, when I arrived in Sydney, I could tell you a story about a chap who was there too. At yeah, well, at Sydney we'll, Airport to meet me, yeah. But that's what happened. I left I left there. I came back from, from the UK to, uh, South Africa. to South Africa. Was there for about, oh... Three months, something like that, and then and then out I came. I left. I came, I came to Australia in April, nineteen seventy. So had South Coast United sort of signed you sight unseen then, based pretty much on 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 what you'd sort of written to them yeah. and, and what your re- footballing resume yes. was. Yeah, I would say so. I'd say so. Um, but it was also a, 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 an added situation where there was a fellow called Tommy Anderson yeah. who had played with me at Cape Town City. So you didn't know that at the time? I didn't know that he was actually man- the manager. You know, All I knew was that he was in Australia somewhere because yep. um, you know, he obviously told me he was going over. Tommy probably was a little bit like myself. I think he'd actually been to... He'd probably come to Australia way back and then he came to South Africa and then he went back to Australia again. I don't know the exact story, but I think that's what actually yeah. happened. So for you, it was more of a case of you knew that South Coast United had a Scottish manager... Mm. or coach mm. um, and you didn't realise it was Tom because I, I think um, in uh, South Coast United's history it was, was Jim Harris at the start of that season and then I think he struggled somewhat and yep. and then uh, Tommy had come in so you uh, come over here um, yep. of being signed up and yep. then you get to the airport and, and what happens? Yeah well um, you're right in what you say. I think they also mentioned that they had won the championship, which is they do in '69, yeah, '68, '69, and all that. So I thought, well, they, won the they can be a pretty good side, you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, so I was all excited about that. Anyway, here I go. I step off the plane and come through the customs, and who's there but Tommy Anderson? <laughs> you know, shit. What are you doing? Well, back in my shoes, and away we go. So, so that was it. That was that was that was it. So Tommy's here, and Jimmy Harris is out. But uh, it was a roller coaster of coaches over the next couple of years yeah. it was incredible. so for you um uh, was the the money that you're earning in south africa comparable to what you're earning with south coast united yeah yeah you know um that wasn't wasn't very far but again you had to have a job you had to have another job it was, and, and, it was part-time football. and before we talk about your time in australia and 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 you've been here ever since what was your job in South Africa when you were playing with Cape Town and Port Elizabeth? I had a few jobs. Well, as I told you earlier on, I was an apprentice uh, hairdresser. hairdresser. Um, I was always always in the back of my mind. And, you know, when, I, when, when I, the stories about the Arsenals and the Blackpools, I was always in my mind, I, I don't want to go on, I don't want to do this yep. job. And that's what, that was another reason why I left. I just didn't want to sort of keep on doing the hairdressing course yeah. type thing. And that was, that was, my mother and father knew that too. But anyway, I got a job. I had a series of jobs. One very good job that I did have in South Africa was a, a fella called Harold Leibovich. Leibovich. Okay. He, was, he was a Jewish chap, but he had a gents' outfitting shop yep. in Cape Town. And uh, Vic Lovell, who was a goalkeeper at the time, very good friend of Harold Leibovich, and he got me the job there. And I quite enjoyed it because I liked I liked my clothes and things like yeah. that. So, and he was he was he was a good guy. He was a great block. And so that was my that was my Cape Town job. Uh, when I went to Port Elizabeth, I finished actually uh, working in the Ford manufacturing plant. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, as a, as a, you know, sure. as, as a, 
inspector type thing. Yeah. You know, you went around looking at the products, making sure they weren't, you know, check the oil and all this type of thing that was coming from overseas. It's quite a good little job, you know. And uh, yeah, so I did that. Just before I left, I actually got a, I got an opportunity to to go into um, office equipment sales. Yeah. So more or less in the lines of trying to become a rep. Yeah. But then then the offer came up for Cape Town City, and away I went. So you you're in Australia. Um, you come down the freeway and um, uh, your thoughts, uh, apart from the football, did you fall in love straight away with, with the Illawarra and, and, and the yeah, escarpment, the beaches yeah. and, and, and the local area? Yeah, but once again, Tra- Travis Birch had picked me up at the airport along yep. with Tommy and his big Cadillac, he's, he's, he loved <laughs> his cars, did Travis, and uh, we stopped off at the lookout there at Bulleye yeah. and when I looked down, I like, what a place, you know, because <laughs> Cape Town was was a lovely place. You went up the yeah. top, of, you went up the top of ta- ta- uh, Table Mountain. That was a magnificent sight, you know. So very similar, and that yeah. was the thing that I thought was well, very, very, very similar, you know. And they, they told me that the conditions, living conditions, and all were very similar. But anyway, yeah, it looked great. Um, when, I went, when I came down, down, down the Bull Eye Pass, and went into the club for a bit of lunch, I was introduced to. Sid Fairs, I think he was yeah. there at the time. He was, in he was the, the publicity manager yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, he did all that. And then, and then, and then sorry, and Sid, that's right, sorry, I'm getting confused. Sid Fairs, and then it was also Sid Spiller who was in charge of the club, you know, yep. so he introduced to him, and everybody was, oh, I'm pleased to meet you, and that. And there was a lot of you know, Scottish back, you know, they all got became yep. very friendly. When I saw the ground, I was probably a little bit taken back because, you know, it was like, no disrespect, but it was Compared like, a, to it was like, it was like a training ground. It was like yep. a training ground, but, but you know, when you went on to the park and the grass was you know was magnificent and of course when the crowds when came the crowd in came it, was, it was a different you know, story great atmosphere you know great atmosphere well do you want to um i guess talk about um a bit about the old, old balls paddock and and i guess uh whatever sort of notes or memories you have of um games played there and mm-hmm. and what it was like and how you'd walk onto the ground and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah well uh <laughs> the dressing sheds, as you know, weren't weren't bigger, enormous, or that. We used to go out the back, and there was an area there. Just a, the pub was at the back of the yeah. ground there. We used to do a bit of stretching up and this and that, but there was no real place. I suppose you, I suppose you could have gone down because we did have a training ground to the side of the main ground. Yep. We could have gone down there and did our, our warm up routine. Back in those days, I don't think it was all that prevalent. Sort of thing, yeah. you know, so, but you know, once again. Big thing was once once you played the likes of the Hellenics and the Eagle Prags, you know the atmosphere and the ground was you know four or five thousand people. But they tell me back in those sometimes they were getting, you know, when the things were going good, they were getting six thousand to buy. You couldn't imagine six thousand in there, could you? So it is a pretty intimate ground, and and so were you surprised the first couple of times can. Compared to that first time when no one was there, mm. and compared oh, yeah. to say South Africa, where Hartley Vale had stands on four sides, yeah, yeah. that the ground could have such a great atmosphere. That's right. For, for, for such a small capacity, it was it was it was fantastic. And you know, you got to you got to know a few of the people. Oh, yep. Yeah. There you go. And um, so it was, it was a good atmosphere. But it's once again, it's like anything else. That's the moment. That's the time. Yeah. You forgot about what was there. It's like in the memory bank, you know. But, yeah. Uh, but very very enjoyable. The, the the ground itself was always in prime condition. It was very well looked after. Yeah. And and what about um, if I know it's sometimes hard to compare apples and oranges, but what about South African football at the time versus New South Wales Federation football? Yeah, were they similar? 
Well, I think that, in, all, in all honesty, I think the grounds had a lot to do with it. You know, okay. um, you know, when you went to the likes of Hakoa, they played it. They played at um, uh, Harrow Park. You had the yep. trotting track, and you know, the, um, there wasn't a lot of. That was the thing that I really did miss about South Africa was the stadium, Marchfield. You went there; it was just yeah. like massive place, but you know, no, you know, no, no great atmosphere. Yeah, I missed that. I missed that atmosphere. I really, I really, really did. But the playing, the playing standards. You know, there's a lot of good players. A lot of good players here in Australia, as I later later found out. And and do you remember your first game uh, for South Coast United? I do actually. I don't remember my first home game, Travis. I need to look up the. Uh, the record books for that one, but um, my first game was actually I played against Hugo Prague at Marksfield. Yep. And the, the guy that I played directly against was um, Raul Blanco. Raul yep. Blanco, who was, yep. who, who was a very good name. player. Yeah, very yes. famous. So very famous name. And uh, played directly against him. And I remember the first couple of tackles I had, but he looked at me as if to say, well, "What have I got here?" You know. <laughs> um, but that was in the reserve grade, um, yep. so I came back. At, but I can't remember my first game at uh, uh, Balls Parrot. To be quite honest with you, I'm sorry about that. No, no, not a problem. Uh, and Tommy Anderson as a coach, uh, how was Tommy? Tommy was pretty strict. He was probably from the old school. Yep. Um, he was a no nonsense man. Yes. You didn't you didn't know how to take him sometimes though. You know you don't know whether he. He was on your side, or he, he wasn't. But there again, that's that's the way a coach should be, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, Tommy and his career had been here, there, and everywhere, you know. So. Um, and, and is there a time there where you can recall with him that you know uh, was he one to give a bit of a spray, or was he just game day before half time after the game? He was pretty just strict, but he would just be calm, or was mm. he? Sometimes let the emotions no, go. You get, you get, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy would be one that would give you a bit of a spray. You know? yep. I remember a couple of games there. And, um, you know, really got up. It's not, not that um, not that we didn't deserve it. Because yeah. we struggled that year, as you, yeah. as you probably know, Travis. We struggled there for results. Uh, it wasn't an easy year. Uh, once again, it was a bit of disappointment from, probably from spectators too, the fact that where they, where they were in 69 and... To what they were. To 70. Was it 69 they won the yes, championship? Yes, 60, 69 they won the league sure. championship. Yeah. And, and some of the players there that y- you played with, um, the likes of Wilson, Tolson, Dunlop, Ramage, Cuthbert, Galbraith, mm. McGonagall, Gleeson. Um, what do you recall of some of those guys? Well, we were all good mates with one another. Um, Peter uh, was on the way to becoming um, captain. New South Wales and Australia for that matter. Max too was a was a good good player up front. Yep. Tell me that he started off as a wing half, but uh, <laughs> the good thing about Max is being up front, he would he, he could give what he could take. You know, he was he was pretty forward, good throw of it. It was amazing how we didn't. It's amazing how we didn't really do any better than what we did with with the players that we had because you know deep down we had a we had a, we had a fairly yeah, good the, side. Yeah, the squad on paper that year yeah, was still own, pretty strong. We did yeah yeah. I, I had I probably had a few injuries and again getting back to this ankle. Yep. It didn't really you know, it was a it was a bit still still nagging me a little bit. So I was sorta of in and out of the side there a little bit too. But uh, again come the close season I decided to, you know, build up my ankle down the beach and running and things like that and away we go. 
So Peter Wilson, um, just uh, there's a lot of, I guess, people, uh, I guess, crave information about him more so in, in the last couple of decades that he's a, more of a recluse now. And, yeah. and people, um, I guess, there's that sort of yesteryear memories of him as Socceroo captain and whatnot. So um, how was he as, as a teammate and, and what were his strengths on the field? Peter was Peter was Peter was a great guy. Um, I can remember when we lived. We had we had, we had what we call the Scottish Lodge, the McGonagalls, um, John McAvoy's, myself, Dunlop. We had this what they call the Scottish Lodge. We all we all lived together in this house. The first place we had was in Channel Street in Mounoona. Yep. And then we moved out to uh, the corner of Murray Road and Carroll Road. Yeah. Which was just opposite Cornwall School. A high school, yeah. And the amount of times that Peter came down, knocking on the door. He finds he coming out for a kick. Peter, Peter was a fanatic, you know, and he was a fitness fanatic then too. You, you know, you really in those games. If you tried to get by Peter, it was it was almost impossible. You know, he was he was just incredible. And I, so playing against him wasn't, you know, I imagine was an easy thing. The only the only thing I could say detrimental, not detrimental to Peter, but was the fact that. He, he loved it that much that a lot of things, probably a few things, not a lot of things, he, a lot, a few things got him down, and yep. he was, you know, and he was, he took it, took it pretty sore type of thing, you know, the defeats. So in terms like of that. the results or yeah, how the yeah, team was going, yeah, or yeah, 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 I think that, I think that, but again, history tells you that he's, he's uh, the amount of appearances he played for Australia. That 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 in, it, that in itself speaks what type of player the man was. And <clears throat> so at the end of that year, uh, I think uh, Tommy Anderson had uh, finished up, mm. and um, and then uh, was it uh, Mr. Drain that came in yeah. for a, for a little period? Yeah, Teddy Teddy Drain took the side over, and again, no disrespect to Mr. Drain, I don't know where he's still with us, but you know he was he was he was really I think you know too antiquated so, from so, a, a so different era of coaching. I think, I, I think so. You yep. know, it was like okay, lads, run around the park and. You know this type of thing, but the philosophy of the man, maybe the teachings of the man, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that he lasted all that long, and it was probably his decision too. You know, and and Jim Harris came back in at that point in time. Was that that roughly? I think, I think, I think, I think that was the case. He came back. Jimmy was again was back and forwards, and he was like a ballroom dancer, one step <laughs> forward, two steps back. And how did you find him as a coach? <sighs> Yeah, you know, once again, he was, I think he was, I, I always felt that that his limitations, to be yep. quite honest with you, That's, let, let me put it that way, but he was straightforward, he was, uh, you know, uh, and again, personally, I saw him sort of seeing different players coming in, coming from overseas, and I was sort of left out, and I thought yeah. to myself, Jerry, things are not going too well for you here, um, you know, so I was always... Not too sure about what was happening, where we were going on. So in those sort of next year and a bit, you were sort of contemplating your future at yeah, the club? Yeah, 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 possibly. I think the Les Shineflug came in for a while. Les, Les yeah. Shineflug came in for a while. I think I think they changed by that time, they'd, Travis, I think they changed to... Uh, in fact, they changed to Safety United when, yep. when Jimmy Harris came over because he was tied up with uh, Safety United. They were, they were a car, for those who don't know, they were... A, a car company in Wollongong yep. that were taken over, so they took over the name, changed the strip. You know, it was like the Brazil strip. It was sort of yeah, gave the yellow. Yeah, they gave us a bit. I of think a it had a, a map of Australia. On yeah, there, it did, that was the badge of the safe grade emblem. <laughs> and then the yellow, I think, it had blue pants and white socks. It looked almost like the uh, 
like the Brazilian kit. It was a smart looking kit in comparison to what the, the old red and black. No disrespect to the yeah. coat colours. So for you, um, did you notice, uh, I guess, as being um, an outsider compared to a, a local per se, did you notice that there was sort of, I guess, a, a disliking that there was a change of name? I know it was financial, but I've talked to some other people and they were sort of sad to see the yeah. South Coast United name being changed and, yeah. and the colours as well. Yeah, well, once again, I, I, I personally thought the colours were a step up. I think it gave people a buzz. It gave yeah. me a buzz, and I think yeah. speaking to the players around me, they were saying um, there was money coming in from 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 the uh, from the car uh, his company. name was Di- 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 Mr. Driver, I think, Bill Driver. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that that that's what happens in, in soccer, Travis. And I, and I but I do appreciate, you know, a lot of people say, oh. Days are not the same as what they were back in the old South Coast United game. I think, in all honesty, it came from the championship winning side. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that was that was the big scenario where you had that, and then you had this type yeah. of reverse situation. But Les, Les Shineflug came in, and uh, Les again was a very very good player in Australia. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, he was a pretty strict guy to work to work for. Got everybody fit. And again, I, I think Les. Les suited me and I suited him, you know, because yep. he could see that I was determined. Willing to work. I was a trier. Um, you know, I was putting myself about. And uh, I remember Les giving me a good compliment one day, so once again it gives you that bit of a boost. And and for yourself, you were predominantly in those times playing in the midfield position? Yeah, yeah, yep. I was a midfield player, yeah, yeah. And and this time as well, you did have you did dabble a little bit in in sort of the third team or youth grade coaching. Yeah, you did yeah, help out a little yeah, bit there yeah. for think, a couple of years. Is I that think right? I first started with the South Coast. I took, yep. the, took I took the boys, and um, and then uh, I was actually maybe getting myself a little bit mixed up here. But I remember when I still had first had my, first had my chat with Jimmy Harris regarding what direction I was going in. Yep. And he said to me, he says, look, we'll offer you the, the, the under-19s job. And I said, look, I, I'll, I said, I'll take it on, Jimmy, but I'm not really, I don't want to be, he appeared to me as though he was trying. still to do That's it. right. It appeared, it appeared to me personally that he was trying to sort of get me into, you can start here as a coaching career for yourself. Yep. But I, I, I still wanted to play. But in, in your mind, though, there was a part of you that liked the coaching? Yeah, yeah. That you yeah. sort of... Headed that direction a little bit. Yes, yes, I think, and, and, and maybe, and maybe from the fact of uh, the coaches that I'd seen, and, yep. and, and been around, and you know, and what I believed, and all this type of thing, it was it started. So it things started were sort of in going on in ball, your head. That yeah, the ball was beginning to, to go down the shoes, beginning to roll, so to say. Yeah. Uh, I guess um, for you uh, in in seventy three. Um, uh, you, you then went to you had an overseas holiday mm. and uh, you went to two countries yep. um, Hong Kong and Scotland yeah, yeah. Um, some pretty interesting stuff happening in, in those two countries so can you tell us a bit about um, was it because you were in the off season or you weren't happy with what was happening that you were always going to go back overseas or no I've, I've, I've always had I've always had regular trips yeah uh, so it was a planned trip. At the time, it was a planned trip, and um, I've always, I've always been wondering. What, I wonder when the boys, when the boys actually, some of the players back in the South Coast United days went to went over to Hong Kong to play, yep. and, and they were living in this what I call the Scottish Lodge. John McGonagall, yep. I think Brian Harvey was another one at the time. And McAvoy, yeah. and John, not not so much John McGonagall. Forget now exactly who went. Anyway, 
I thought to myself, I wouldn't mind giving Hong Kong, Hong Kong a try, you yeah. know, and, and, um, and I wrote to John, told him that I was coming over for a holiday, and thoughts he said well why don't come over and stop over and speak to speak to the, the, the manager at the time so I went there and I met the manager and he actually signed me up on a short term contract and so I had a couple of games over there and and that was yeah. with um, uh, I can't pronounce it myself yeah, Su Fong, Su Su Fong. Fong. Yeah. And, and that was actually the Hong Kong fire, fire service fire team. service team yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so what are you Apart from uh, a crucial match in Australian soccer history, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um, you seem to have a sense of adventure about you that's sort of, you know, you love your football. Yeah. But, you know, as a, as a young man, you go to South Africa, yeah. then go to Australia, yeah. and then after living with, with the guys at South Coast United here about Hong Kong, so... Yeah. Um, you always were sort of looking for yeah, yeah. for something else, weren't you, in that sense? Well, there's one thing, Travis, as the old saying used to go, um, you won't die. I won't die wondering. You know, <laughs> I, always gave, I always gave things a try and a go. And uh, further on in life, I, I, I kept on doing different that things. That philosophy type thing, yeah, having a look at it and all the go. And so how was Hong Kong as a player those those couple of months uh, that you had there? The first thing that arrived there, like the first thing, as I say, you've got to like place, and, I, you know, I, I didn't really take to the smell of the place, yep. and, and, you know, and, and the closeness of the place and the people. It was yep. just it was just too far busy a place for me, to be quite honest. But I didn't I didn't really go all that well in soccer. I think I played a couple of... I remember, come on a sub, come on a sub one game... Um, I don't think I did all that many games, to be honest with you. I was just more like a backup player. Yep. But, but you know, I knew fine well in my head that, you know... This wasn't forever. This, 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 wasn't, this wasn't me. The whole, I, I will say this. Um, the players were just too fast for me. You know yep. what I mean? I, I don't know how old I would have been then. But, uh, no. 26. 26, is that yeah. all? Yeah, well, that's, probably should have probably, probably should have done better than what I did. But they were just, just a little bit too fast for me. And, and the grounds were like, yep. like concrete, you know what I mean? Yep. And... Um, yeah, and, and and it was just a coincidence, but uh, what a coincidence it was that um, uh, you're in Hong Kong to see Australia qualify for the 1974 yeah. World Cup um, yeah. when they defeated South Korea one nil at Hong Kong Stadium. So yeah. can you tell us uh, about that and how it came about and what you remember? Well, that was a bonus, wasn't it? You know, um, I think when I arrived, when when I took off for Hong Kong, I don't think. I don't think they'd even, anyone had even known that that's that's a venue where the game was to be played because right. I think they actually didn't have a draw or something like that and then had to play in a, the draw they had to play have an extra game or something yeah it was something like I that I just so. forget now what it was but anyway it was at Hong Kong Stadium so along I went and um, after the game you know I, um, I knew Noddy Olsen pretty well yep. and Noddy invited me to come back to a hotel where the team were having their celebration and I sort of felt a little bit taken back because I thought, well, that's that's not for me to be there. But no, no, he gave me a good day. But no, he was a great guy. He would, yeah, no problems, you know. No, <laughs> I'll sort things out, you know. That was that was Noddy all over. So yeah, he invited me um, over there and you know to see the players and obviously I knew I knew them playing against them. And yeah, like that's that. right. And um, actually, when I came back, not jumping ahead of myself, but when I came back, we can if you ask any questions, do so. But uh, when I came back to Australia, I actually went to stay with Noddy um, and his wife, uh, Doreen, uh, yep. and, and, and here in Coromel. But uh, yeah, he was a lovely bot, but a great guy, Noddy. And and what about the the game itself? Because it had a, a, a the one goal. In yeah, that Jimmy game. Jimmy Mackay scored a howler. And, and 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 can you describe that goal a little bit? 
just can't remember the build-up to it, Travis, but I, I think he was, he was on just outside the box. And I think yep. it was a little bit of an angle when the ball came and he, it was a good goal. You know, it wasn't yeah. a tapper or anything like that. It was a great goal. I think, look, I'm hoping that uh, that's not that, that that's correct, but it was sort of a right side of the pe- outside the penalty area and it yep. sent it into the back of the net. What a goal. And everybody was, you know, uh, I don't know, whether, I don't know whether the Chinese players were for Australia or whether they were for, for um, <laughs> hot, um, South Korea. Korea. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the South or North South Korea was. Yeah. And 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 for yourself, going back to I guess uh, within the playing group, and although you'd played against them, you initially you felt a bit uh, should I be going in here? But um, uh, Adrian Alston sort of said, "Yeah, come." Yeah, it, it must have been a, a great sort of environment, sort of just. Oh. People were celebrating yeah. static positivity, the hard work, and and Peter Wilson. Yeah, and yeah. There were some players there that you knew intimately as yeah. well. Well, Big Willie was, as we call them, Big Willie, Big Peter. He was. You know, I remember him sitting in the lounge as though he was sitting watching television at home. You know, that's that's <laughs> the type of guy he was. But you know, he, other guys, Jimmy Rooney, knew him pretty well, and Johnny Watkins. Yeah, know, these are the names. That some of the boys I didn't know, but. Um, but to be amongst that, but to be amongst them, Rally Rashid too. And I, I remember I, I was waiting for Rally to turn around and say, "What are you doing here?" You know, <laughs> and, and, but no, he wasn't. He was great, and he, you know, just as if yeah, yeah, yeah you must because there was a few other people there, obviously. Yeah, you know, that's it wasn't right. The players, it wasn't as if you were sitting. You know, it was yeah, an open lounge room, and it was yeah, right. pretty dim. I can remember that, and yeah, I thought he mightn't see me. You know, but I was hiding or something. Like that. <laughs> but no, it was good. It was well, there's good. not many people that can. To say that they were at the after yeah, after game celebrations yeah. when Australia first qualified very for the true, World Cup. Very, so, very true, Travis. So yeah. you're very very lucky man. Yeah. You then went back to Scotland and um, had a bit of time there, and and then you did get a bit of football in there as well. Yeah, when you went back. Yeah, yeah. Well, my uh, uh, my eld- my elder brother Eric, who's since passed away, um, he knew this chap. I think his name was Peter Galletley. I'm not too sure. Yep. But uh, he had some sort of association with uh, Clyde Football Club. Okay. And um, I can only take it that back in those days, that, you know, the 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 the, 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 the uh, what do you call them the teams? I mean, if you get a group of players, fifteen or fourteen, the, the playing staff was, yep. wasn't was a bit limited. You know, what I mean, they're running a shoestring budget, budget, so yep. to say. But anyway, Eric, I was I was pretty fit then because I'd, I'd been playing, stepped off the plane. Eric asked me if I would be interested in turning out for Clyde, and I got a bit of a surprise. And so I got phoned up, phoned up this guy, and just look, I'll meet you at Central Station. We're going to play Aberdeen, so yep. I turned up there with my boots, and and away we went, playing, playing with Clyde Reserves. So I, I went under the name of A N Other, and so that was that was, that was legit at the time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you uh, did it cross your mind at, at that point in time um, because you? You know, playing semi-professional, um, and and you're not gonna, you're a humble man, so you're not gonna say too much um, on this matter, and it'll just be my comment. But you know, you had played at a certain level and could play the game. Did part of you, even though you're back for a holiday, think, should I come back here and and give it a go in Scotland? Funny you should say that, Travis. I uh, I remember that game against Aberdeen, and I, again, I held held myself quite well. I actually played right fullback at the time, and uh, and I had a quite a good game. And I remember coming back in the train, and um, the chap Peter Galletley, let's call him Peter Galletley, Peter 
gave me, you know, I think it was 20 quid or something that he gave yep. me. And uh, I knew the next game they were playing against Celtic. And I, I thought in the back of my head, I wonder if they'll ask me to, to, play. to turn, again, turn up again. But uh, that didn't uh, that Pressure. didn't happen. So, But yeah, it's, to your question, to answer your question directly, it's... It's uh, if somebody had come up with an offer or something and had said like, yeah. or even even that trial period extend my extend my trip. Yep. I I I probably would have taken it. I would have well, I would have fallen into it or given it a go. I think yep. let me put it that way because I was always as I said to you earlier on, you know, I was never wanting to give something a go in case at the end of my life of getting towards the end of my life, at least I did it. At least I yeah, tried definitely. it. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no one can say that about yeah. you. You've definitely yeah, yeah. taken things on and and given them a go. Um, in 1974, you, you were back in Australia, and and you started off the season with Safeway United. Um, uh, you, after playing against Auburn in the Ample Cup game, um, you then uh, transferred across to Auburn. So so what was happening? You just knew you were on the outer, and and then you played well or played that game, and then yeah. well at the time, I think I might have been I might have been incorrect in saying it, but I think what actually happened, Les Shainflog came to Safeway United for a while and then he left and yep. then Jimmy Harris came back in again. That. Yep. So this is what I'm saying, Jimmy was in and out and this yeah. and that and away we go. So when I came back, Jimmy Harris again was still the was was the coach at that time. Yep. And as I said to you, like he was there was always players coming over but, um, and you know, it was always seemed to be me that would be on the way out. Yep. And, and anyway, uh yeah, we played South uh, Safeway. Played um, Auburn, Auburn. At, at the Bulls Paddock, and I was on the bench. And um, I came off at half, I came on at half time, and I, I had an absolute blinder. You know, I'm not talking about no, that. no, you, you, know, you played well. Tore them apart, and um, I get this. I forget how it arose, but I know I know now that Auburn are interested in me. Yep. And uh, I phoned Joe Marsh. I was give. A message to phone Joe Marston. So I phoned Joe Marston, went up to see him. I actually drove up to uh, Harold Park I think, yep. at the time they were playing, and they were playing St George in, the, in, in, in a league game. Yep. I spoke to him, and he said, "Look, we'd love you to come." Oh, sorry, I went up for a, I went up for a game first of all up at, uh, around Riverwood somewhere. Okay. And um, again, I had a very very good game. And I've got this is true. This is a true story. The fella called. David Keddie yep. uh, played for Hakoa at the time, and his father was more or less a scout for Hakoa. And uh, after the game, Davy slipped me a piece of paper, and it was a message saying that would I be interested in coming to Hakoa? And uh, you know, I, I looked at this and I thought, well, once again, I was in the scenario where thinking like Hakoa is a top side, yeah, definitely. But you know, will I get games there? Auburn, you know. I was more or less likely to get more games. Yeah, get yeah. more game time. So, and Davy Kerry says it's up to you, Jerry. He says, but you know that, that's 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 there for you. But you know, the, I, I felt I, really, I felt really good that day. And, so I'd agreed. I'd, I'd agreed to Joe to to sign. Yeah, for and, and and Joe's uh, an extremely famous name in in Australian football, and um, held in uh, and rightly so held in high regard. Yep. So, uh, what did you take from your conversations with him, and then being coached by him? Yeah, well, he was a you know he was a great great guy. He was um, a little bit like Bobby Dinny, you know. Yep. He was uh, he wasn't aggressive in any way. Um, fairly mature man, um, very passive. Made himself clear. Um, 
And again, I think the guys liked him. It was a yeah. scenario. Was like, you got you got drawn in by you get drawn in with your stature and, and charisma. Travis, and, and you were 100%, aware, hundred percent, right? You were aware of his, uh, I guess, his, his background, pedigree. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you could see the man. He was, as I say to you, him and Bobby were like, you know, two two of the kind. Bobby, then I'm talking about. Always his tie on, this like that, and his hair was always perfect. But look, great man, lovely man. Him and I got on. He won, you know. So you you enjoyed your your, your couple of seasons there with Auburn. Uh, yeah, are yeah. there any other sort of memories that spring to mind at Auburn? Oh yes, yeah, so yeah. The one big one was um, I was never a great goal scorer. Yep. Uh, I never a recognised goal scorer, but I remember playing at Mona Park and um, I wrapped a goal in. Uh, Jerry Fraser was in goals. We beat them one 0 uh, that was the year that we went on to get into the quarter, into the semi-finals. But that was good. Um, another one, and this is, this is probably the, the most passive thing, the solid thing in my mind. We went to play Happy I Like Art, yep. and we had to win to get our spot in the, in the top four. And we beat them 4-0, and that was just like, to be happy a 4-0 up there at Lambert Park was just... I know, no, but we did it. But that's the type of team that that's the type of team that we were. You know, yeah. Yeah, we had a great side. You know, Les Hucker, Davy Carey, Brian Parker, um, Steve Haskowski in goals. A great goalkeeper. He was as good. He was as good as what I've seen. You know, if he, if he had gone over to England, I reckon he would have made it. You know, he, he, wow. was, he was a great keeper. And and for yourself, did you get to play against Safeway United? And and yeah. and, and how was that playing yeah, against uh, former teammates? Yeah, that was good. We. Uh, my memory tells me that um, we we drew with them at Mona Park. Yeah. Mona so Park was never a, a favourite spot for visiting teams, you know, because uh, it had that cricket pitch and yeah. not in the middle, but the side of the ground. But we actually came down to uh, Safeway United to play them in the second round, and we beat them one nil at home. Uh, a good mate of mine, Terry Bertram, scored the goal, and we, we played well. As I say, we were a good side, you know, we were no pushovers. Um, it was justice that we got a place in the semi-finals that year. And but, and do you look back on it now, um, in terms of the friendships and and Joe Marsden as well, that you were very lucky to get that opportunity as well. Like your yeah. playing ability, you know, you deserve to be in the team, and and you took your opportunity. But it, it must have been a great experience. Yeah, well, Travis, that's that's exactly right. You know, the big you know, sitting here now speaking to you. I remember the times when you know I was. I was been put on the transfer list and this type of thing, and yep. a lot of the guys who were playing with me, guys like Eddie Hall, Norm Flanagan, they decided to. Adrian Ringlands opted out. Yeah. Um, Norm opted out and started playing junior, uh, playing local football, and I just had that feeling that I wasn't ready to come to back at that, that time. And I, there was still, there was, to me, there was still places to go and things to do. And 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 although um, just a question that's popped into my head. Um, you know, you talk about the likes of Norm Flanagan and and Eddie Hall and and um, and even yeah, Phil Carr. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah and and then later on, we'll talk about yourself. But yeah. there was plenty of quality players that came out of those federation days local. that then had a long lasting effect yeah. in the Illawarra leagues, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah, definitely local players. And you know, Phil was Phil was. I remember when I eventually uh, came Tuckerman back with Tarawana, for oh, example. Oh, Gary, Gary Tuckerman, Gary Tuckerman. Gary, Gary, I'm not sure when Gary came on the scene, but uh, he was a great player. Yeah. Great fullback, oh, fast. You know, it's fantastic. He was a great, he was a great player, Gary. He's a he was like, he was like a greyhound, you know, and he could tackle, oh, tackle a rock. You know, he was a, Phil Carr, Phil, 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 I believe had a very good 
early career at South yep. Coast United, but um, you know, when, when, Shea, when like Shea Gleason and things like that were injured, Phil would come in and he, yeah. he would always give you, always give you hundred percent. Um, who was the other player you mentioned? There was uh, well, there was Tackerman, there was Norm. Yeah, Norm. Yeah, well, I think Norm, 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 Norm probably felt that things were getting probably. I don't know. You need to ask Norm. This, yeah, but yeah. He, the time was probably opportunity. You know, he, I knew, I knew, I knew he had a lot of contacts and and a lot of football, and I think he maybe thought he was more comfortable. Yeah, taking that taking that option. You know, so. And but again, he, he still remains a good good friend of mine and. And I also say that his his place uh, one of, on one of my travels, I came back. Him and his wife Frances put me up. Uh, you know, when I went at Winona uh, there, Kelly, their daughter, I remember her. They put me up at their place for a while when I came back from one of my joints. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for yourself uh, in '76, you uh, joined Sutherland, who were being coached by Pat Hughes, a, a former soccer who who played with Arpia. Um, how did this transfer come about? Well, as much as as much as I really really enjoyed myself up at Auburn, um, the travelling probably got to me a little bit. Because you're still living down. Still here. living at Wollongong, and yep. um, I, I, I wasn't. I left there through mutual mutual agreement. And, yep. But once again, there was a there was a situation arose that I don't think the the financial situation was too good there. Um, but they went on to they went on to do I think they went on to actually the next year when I left they went on to reach the semi finals again so you know it was uh, uh, where we go and I don't know what happened to the club but yeah getting back to my situation I uh, I decided to come a little bit closer to home yeah I'd just been I'd just been I'd been speaking to a chap called Johnny McDonald okay. who once did play for Auburn and I think he was the Sutherland and um, I, I thought to myself well. It's good little ground. Always like yeah. playing there. It was wasn't far from Wollongong, just up the road. So yeah, I decided to, to go and play with Sutherland. And that was uh, Seymour Shaw Park. Seymour Shaw Park, yes, yes. Good little ground. It's a little bit of a hill still, you know. But uh, <laughs> and what about a little about, bit like a little bit balls parrot, I suppose, in that respect. Yeah. And what about Pat as a coach and and some of the other players at the club? Uh, um, how did you find Pat and, and some of the other guys? Yeah, well, I think Pat again was in that. In that category of a little bit old-fashioned, you know, yep. um, restriction, restrictive to, as to what went on. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I would have been in the same position if I had been there then too. But, uh, it was a good block. Pat, Pat and I got on really, really well. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with him at all. And there's a couple, couple of good players there. Um, okay. we, we didn't have a bad side. And, and you must have been... Uh, Pretty satisfied with the year that you had because you ended up getting Player of the Year, which you know uh, must have been a great feeling. Yeah, to, yeah, to be yeah, voted that. yeah, yeah. It was. I, uh, I was actually, I was actually, uh, I was actually up in Queensland at the time when I had the presentation, and I wasn't away until I came back from Queensland. <laughs> um, I came back here home to to Coromel that I had won, and. Uh, I shared it with a with a player. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it was a dual 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 award, and I just can't remember now who he was. I'm sounding as though I didn't have a good time up at Sutherland, but uh, you know, if I sat down and thought of a few of the players that played. I would, you know, Ian McGovern was a good mate of mine. Yep. Yeah, he played in the side, but uh, but it's a good time. There's a couple of good feel, but they had, they had a good side. At the end of that um, season, like you said, you'd. Uh, uh, gone up to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what was your what was your plan in going up to Brisbane? Well, as as we said earlier on there, Travis, I uh, always like a challenge, and yep. um, I went up on an end of the season trip with uh, Fig Tree. Big Tree. Big Tree. Wally Miller was in charge of the side. Good good mate of mine still is, and uh, I went up there, and I knew Les Shineflug was up there, and it was the beginning next season. Was the start was, 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 the, was the start of National the Phillips, Soccer National League. Soccer League, and I thought to myself, I wouldn't mind having a go at this, you know. So, up I went. Uh, you phoned up Les, met him, saw him in his house, spoke to him. Uh, he didn't really guarantee me anything. Yeah, uh, he didn't sign me up on the spot or anything. But he said to me, he said, "Come up for the pre-season, um, see how see how you go," and, and that was it. So, back at home, back I came to Wollongong and. Up I went to, uh, to Queensland, and 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 how did you go in the in the preseason? Well, I uh, I, was, I was quite fortunate because uh, Les, one of the players, um, Laszlo Karoknai, he had a unit there, and uh, I went I went and stayed with him, so I had a good accommodation for starters. Yeah. Uh, so a good place to stay, nice place to live. So uh, off I went and um, trained very hard. I got a bit of a because uh, at the time you're thirty and yeah, we're sort of still, still, still in your prime yeah. in that but sense. But I got I got a I really got a bad Achilles tendon injury, okay. and I thought to myself, "Oh no, this is this ain't going to work out," you know. And I thought to myself, two weeks, three weeks. I thought, you know, and I went and start running. Oh, it's good. And then all of a sudden, I'd feel it again, you know. But lo and behold, it, it came good. And um, I remember playing playing in the game, and I hadn't known what was happening. They were getting very close to the season, and uh, I was playing playing a game. Get the name of the stadium now. It's Lions Ground, but because uh, yeah, for for the listeners, um, it was Brisbane Lions. Brisbane that Lions. That's correct. Yes, yep. yes, yes. I forget the name of the park, but then anyway, I'm on the field and I get this goal. Scores this goal. It's quite a good goal, and then it comes across the room, across the uh, microphones that this, that goal was scored by Jerry Walker, uh, <laughs> Brisbane Lions new signing. So, <laughs> you know, I walk back to the halfway line with a big smile on my face. So, <laughs> it was then I learned that. They'd given me a contract. It's a it's a unique way of yeah yeah somebody that's right you know like you know <laughs> that was my that was the introduction to the crowd and it was an introduction to me so and and for me personally just being a, an outsider listening to your journey it it sort of there's parallels there in in other things such as when you went to the Blackpool manager and, mm. and asked for a trial it, it's the same again <laughs> that you rang up Les yeah. off your own bat and, yeah. and yeah. then. You know, it's one thing to, like I said, it's courageous to then make that call, but then it's another thing to go up there and prove yourself. And yeah. it seems like when you've got something in your mind and you're determined to do it, you you do your utmost to to try and be successful. Well, I've always been an I've always been a believer, like like even going back to my first trip. Yep. What would have happened? What would have happened? You know, yep. At least I know now. You know what I mean? So um, there's not very many things that's. Uh, it's passed me by, Travis. That I've thought about, you know. So, but yeah, it was a good. It was uh, it was a good time, and I think, as I said, yeah, I was wearing on. Um, I just wanted to give it a go, uh, regardless of how I went. You know, I wasn't wanting to go there and become a star. I wasn't wanting to go there and stay for four years. I just wanted to go there and play in the National Soccer League. And uh, you know, there's a there's a great website, Oz Football. Um, uh, run by some fine gentlemen, uh, including Greg Stock, who's a who's a great guy. Um, and and it, that database said that yeah, 
he ended up with two starts and came off the bench once. So yeah. for a person that probably wasn't in Les's thoughts yeah. um, or in anyone's thoughts until you made that phone call, it's a, it's a pretty good achievement to play in the inaugural season of the NSL. Yeah, that was that's, that to me what it was all about. I remember the Adelaide game, Adelaide, Adelaide City we yeah. played. Yeah, we played up there and I was on the bench. And again, we were having a bit of trouble against them. And, and Les, there was a player, Les, Cherry, go and mark that guy. And it was right up my alley, so yep. to say. And um, all the boys after the game, well done, Jez, well done, this and that. And, you know, and brought a smile on my face. Away we go. And I think the next game we played, we came down, we played Western Suburbs. And I was in the starting line then. Yep. And then the next first home game, first home game for us, we played uh, Canberra, Canberra City. And we lost 1-0. That was a bit of a disappointment because we'd... Even though we had two draws, it was still two good draws. Yeah. You no, know, against two, two pretty good sides. And Canberra was more or less like ourselves, a new side. Yeah. So, but they, 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 they gave us a surprise. They weren't a bad team. Anyway, we lost one 0 at home, and um, the next game, then I was, I was on the bench, and I sat on the bench for a few games. Um, I remember one flying to Melbourne, and uh, again, I don't know whether it was Melbourne Knights or Melbourne somebody, but uh, yeah. Malcolm McDonald, the famous Newcastle player, was playing that day, and um, so that, that that in itself was a good thing, you know. So although you ideally you want to play, um, I guess a, a secondary thing is that you can watch some of these players, yeah, yeah. and and be involved in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, it was that was good. It was it was good. It was. Uh, I, I can honestly say that uh, it didn't surprise me that uh, finished up, you know that. Uh, that was that's the way it was, but I, you know, once again, as I say, it was a satisfaction of. I, yeah. I did it and I tried it, and I, I, and I suppose you could say I was successful. You know, and and part way through that that season, um, you then thought, well, I'll, while I'm here, uh, one of your former South Coast United teammates, George Galbraith, um, you connected with him, and then uh, transferred across to Gold Coast United in the Brisbane Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was George, as you say, you laid out there. But uh, George knew that I was, I wasn't a regular. Yeah. Um, I was sort of, you know, thinking about leaving or whatever, or maybe even come back to Wollongong, which yep. in the long run I did. But George said, "Why don't you come down?" And um, I'm not, not, not talking money, but he said, "We'll pay pay you the same as what you're getting at at uh, Brisbane Lions. We'll pay you this." And there was a, there was a guy actually who um, who. Um, Supported the club, you know, yeah. uh, put, the sort of put, benefactor. A bit, put a bit of money into the club yeah. and things like that. So yeah, that was that was me. And again, living accommodation, George put me up with at his house with his wife Edie, and yeah. um, so that was it. <laughs> and and how was the the Brisbane Premier League uh, um, at that point in time? Well, you know, there was another there was another young chap, fella called Ricky Mangan, who yeah. had come up to try out with the Lions and and didn't play in any of the sides in the games. He played in reserve grade. But he finished up come, coming over with me too, and Ricky was at that level was, was a pretty good player. He could score a goal, a great left peg on him. He could he could score he could score goals, you know. And uh, so that was good. Uh, it, so was, he, it was good. It was it was more or less like it was more or less like uh, district football here, Travis. Yep. You know, the grounds were open, the dressing sheds and that. But, uh, once again, I remember it was a second or third game. Um, I scored two goals. Uh, one one we got, one we got was a penalty kick, yeah. and the other one was a corner came across, and lo and behold, up goes Jerry Walker, and boom, the ball's <laughs> in the back of the net. So uh, that was a that was a good start to the season. And 
Everybody, you know, I was I was fit and I was you know, like really, really, really fit with Les's training and that standard or level yeah. of football that we're playing. So I was heap, heaps and heaps above every everybody else. Yeah. And and Les was fine with you leaving. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, 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 yeah. Les was another one that I remember him um, when they left me out the side. Um, and I say before I went on the trip to Melbourne, he was sort of saying, trying to wind me in to. to to take a coaching job on as well because he, he could see he knew my attitude he knew yeah. my training was, you know my, my ethics were spot on and all this type of thing and he sort of I think he tried to sort of <coughs> excuse me he tried to get me into the coaching side of things there but once again as we said I've got too many playing days in my, my life yet so and and that uh, following year in 78 you, you came back down to Wollongong but you, you had a season with Sutherland yeah um, with John uh, John Watkins. Yep, yep. Um, uh, it was pretty much just a case of, well, I've had a year with them. I, I know what they're about. I don't want to travel elsewhere in yeah. Sydney in terms uh, of another club. Um, and at that point in time, um, I think in '78, uh, Wollongong City had folded. Yep. Um, in who were the old Safeway yep. slash Balgowney team. Yes, yep, yep. Um, so that was the only sort of federation opportunity yep. or state league opportunity. Um, how was John, and and how was it to be back at at Sutherland? Well, that was my second stint back, as as you know. Um, but again, it was it was ideally located for me. You know, the, yep. the side was in the that was the highest grade state league still was then there. Um, I knew the club, I knew yep. the people. Um, Johnny was an added plus. I think Johnny was, you know, a little bit more than than what Pat Pat was. Yep. Um, everybody looked up to him. Johnny was a bit like uh, Joe Marston, yeah. you know, same sort of mannerisms and things like that. Um, but again, I didn't get a lot, of, a lot of playing time in the first grade. I remember though that year. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm correct in saying this that I took up to, uh, I took up to um, Sutherland uh, a chap called Peter Beggs. Yep. Who later on, you know, did well. He did well for the club then. Yeah. But he also went on to uh, go to St George and, and National Football and, League and, 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 then and do his well. His coaching career and as do well. well. And then he came on, yeah, exactly. He came back to Bullongong uh, to coach. He used to come regularly to, um, I can remember Peter in his early days, probably another part of the story. He used to come and watch Lysats a lot. He used to watch yep. my training, Casey's training, and things like this. So that, 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 was, that was fun. But yeah, getting back to the season, um, I didn't play a lot. Uh, I might have, I don't know whether I played four or five games or didn't play any or what, I really mean that, I just can't remember. No, 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 um, that's fine. But uh, uh, the one good thing about it was that, uh, I'm sure I'm sure I played a number of games, games. Yeah, but one of the pleasing things was uh, they got in the grand final that year and um, Johnny, I think, had been playing some games too. I think he'd injured himself and he said to me, he said, look, Jerry, I'm going to call you into the squad, you know. So that, that gave me a bit of a buzz, but it wasn't the same as being there. Being but, there, yeah. but still yeah. being so, part of it. Because I think so um, that was, that was it. from looking on the uh, the internet, it was uh, a game against uh, Croatia-Sydney. Mm. And then I think the first game was a, a one-all draw, and then mm. Sutherland won 2-1 yeah. in the replay. Yeah. It's funny you should say that, because I've, I've got to be honest with you, I thought it was Pan-Hellenic in the end of the day. I thought it was Pan-Hellenic. So, you know, it's amazing how the, the main... Wayne's or whatever, but I wasn't aware it was South Sydney. But I remember the game; it was at uh, I think it was Arrow Park again. You know, so anyway, it was a great, great achievement for the club, um, and they were a good little club. You know, they were they were, they were a bit like South Coast United. Yeah. You know, the the the, the, 
the club was about two minute, three minute drive from the ground, and uh, they were a good bunch of lads, and some some very very good players there, some very good players, you know. So in your mind, um, you knew at the end of that season that you were probably going to, yeah. you still wanted to play. You yeah. had that that willingness to play, but you knew you probably had to come back. Yep. down a tier. Yep. So most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you have a few different offers from other Illawarra clubs, or was it always uh, your connection with Robert Fryer, um, and he was coaching Coniston that made you then yeah. decide with yeah. them and them alone? Yeah, yeah, well, that's very true. But you know, I, I, I probably knew before I actually came to Wollongong four or five years before I did that. This is where I'd be finishing up. Yep. You know, because I like the gong, I like the people. Uh, yeah, so Robert Robert was Robert got involved with uh, with Coniston. With Coniston. Robert was a great organizer. He was a, a very professional man. Because you'd had some interaction when he came out for for yes, Safeway United. Yeah, very Safeway. Yeah, yeah. I I became his uh, his daughter's godfather, and I remember I remember um, a lot of those days. But uh, yeah, him, Robert and I always got on well. And, and and funnily enough, when we came to we play Western Suburbs. Rob was um Rob was in the squad at the time. He didn't play in the game, but when I you were at Brisbane Lions, the Brisbane sorry. Lions, yep. yeah. And sorry for jumping about. No, 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 but, that's uh, fine. I actually came back and I had arranged to stay over because we went to Renee's christening. Renee's christening was on Sunday, so you know that, that all worked out well. I came back to play them. Came back downstairs and his daughter was christened that that, that day, Renee. And she's a lovely girl and still got a very good association with her and her two kids. Uh, so, so yeah, Coniston... So um, getting, getting carried away. No, so no, no, it's all that. good. It's all fine. Uh, so Coniston, um, you're back in the local Illawarra Premier League and, and Coniston at, at that point in time were, were a strong club. Mm. And, um, you know, that 79 season, um, you know, I, I can do the talking for you. Um, you had a very good year. And, and Coniston had a reasonable year, but but what was a, a highlight um, was being selected in the Illawarra squad in '79, and and they had a tour to New Zealand. So yeah. can you talk about uh, a bit about your feelings about being selected in that side, yeah. and then and then the trip itself, and yeah. what you can recall? It was uh, strange. It was the very first game uh, we played Dapto, uh, and after the game, I was walking back to the dressing room in case he. Casey De Bruyne came up to me. It was the first yep. game of the season. <laughs> and Casey De Bruyne came up to me and said to me, Jerry, can I see you for a minute? I said, yeah, sure, mate. Because I knew Casey from playing playing against him at Sutherland when I was yeah. coming to John, And I knew him as a person because he, his, his identity was well in known the area, in the Illawarra yeah. area. So he says, how would you like to uh, come and join us in the Illawarra side to go to New Zealand? And I thought, well, would I like to? <laughs> when, am, when am I going? And so he, we had that, that was his, the team had the squad hadn't been picked really. So I remember going down to Fernhill. That's where most we put, did most of our training sessions. But so it was about probably about four or five weeks before we went actually went to New Zealand. So I was cock a hoop, yeah, for to be picked, you know. But again, I put it down to. In all honesty, Travis, I put it down to the condition that I was in and yeah. the standard and level. Even though that I played at, at uh, the Gold Coast for a year, I still had that level of fitness. Level of fitness. And, yeah. and for you, um, it must have been. I've had many, uh, many a, a person speak about Casey and and his sort of, uh, I guess, 
enthusiasm for the game, his technical knowledge, mm. and and like you said, uh, four or five weeks prior, you were you're playing your normal season yeah. with Coniston, but you're also training and preparing yeah. for that. So yeah. Um, yeah. you must have loved that being that sort of person that trained and yeah. was disciplined. Yeah, it was good. It was great, and uh, yeah, it was like towards the stage here your career, you know, that, that to get an to get an opportunity yeah. like this when you say to him, Would you like to come? Would you like to come? <laughs> Show me the way, you know. And and, <clears throat> and that one, um, only speaking recently to a, a Coniston teammate of yours in in Ron Vandervoord, um, he sort of uh, with a tongue in cheek sort of said that um, you know, he was uh, telling you because you had a bit of a a serious foot injury mm. prior to the tour yeah, that oh, yeah. you know uh, he was an emergency and and he said oh, you probably shouldn't go Jerry yeah. you probably shouldn't go but but by the sounds of it there was nothing but you turning <laughs> up and, and traveling to New Zealand <laughs> yeah there was nothing going to hold me back Travis I can tell you that <laughs> I uh you're right I, I, I went into this tackle and I, 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 tore, I took my I took my boot off after the game and it was it was you could see it was looking pretty red and uh, Next day, oh, it, was, it was black and blue, like nobody's business, you know, it was shocking. <laughs> so got the ice on it, packed it in and things like that. And and I think that, that next day, actually, we played, well, Coniston played on a Saturday. We played here in Memorial Park. And um, and funnily enough, we, we, we were training at, no, no, we were training at Fern Hills ground. I turned up the next day with this toe and I was limping like this, you know. In case I said, oh, just bruise, you know, I'll be down yeah. and all this. And, Oh, anyway, we got got away with it, but it was uh, even when we went to New Zealand. I, I was, I remember, I turned up at the bus with a slipper on my shoe, you know, and on on my foot, and I, I, I was waiting for Casey to turn around and say, "Look, Jerry, we're not going to take you," you know. And <laughs> anyway, losing track again a little bit, Travis. But no, no, that's fine. And 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 what are your memories of of New Zealand? Um, because it was a successful tour. From from the team and 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 the New Zealanders were of a strong standard as well, so it was some great results over there. Yeah, yeah, I remember not carrying on with my tour, but I went over there and there was a fella called Phil Parks who had played with me at Brisbane Lions. Yep. He was a New Zealand, New Zealand boy. It was Roy Drinkwater it was another one that he was a New Zealand boy that played with the Lions, but Phil had actually come back to New Zealand, and he was there that day to greet me. You know, to, to, to say how you going, Jerry? Where we going? And he showed me a tour and he took me. In took me to a doctor, a doctor and the doctor gave me an injection in, in my foot and you know so I finished up training Casey said you've got to train otherwise you're not playing Fine. in the game Jerry so we did play and uh, this game was one of the best games that I've played memory wise up there with the best anyway yeah. if you picked half a dozen games this game would be in it right we played against this can I think this Canterbury side the game finished up three all and and it was a it was an evening game and if you ask anybody who was there at that game, they were they were just they were just saying, What a game, you know, tremendous. And and they were they were a better opposition better qualified qualified, is that the right yeah, word? Yeah. Opposition what we were. But we, we, we just we, we were a great side. We just we just you know Yeah, there's great, there's, great game. There's some names there like uh, you know, Gussie Masters, yep. Fracasso, uh, John Bingham. Yep. You know, Casey was coaching the side, yeah. uh, it was a Kel Potter in goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there was some the Premier League at that time had players like Glenn himself. Fontana. Glenn yeah. Fontana was another one. Um, Gardner, and the Gardner yeah. up front too. So you know, uh, and did uh, Phil Mowbray. Yeah, um, some some Robbie Ritchie was you know a some Berkeley players very, very there. Side, yeah. So you you must have been I guess 
happy that you're going on this tour, but also with the quality of the players um, and also Casey yeah. training and, yeah, and definitely, preparing. Definitely, Casey was, Casey was a big influence on that side. But I can honestly say that uh, the players, having played with them at the district level yep. and seen them, the players played well above themselves. Yep. You know, it was, honestly, Travis, that's, that, that, that game, I wish we had it on camera because a lot of people to me would turn around and say, oh, yeah. what a game. I remember coming off the ground and one of the players turned around and said to me, he says, oh, do you ever stop running? You know, and, and, and that was that was just me with my injured foot. So luckily enough, I got the boot on and it was had a bit of room in there and never felt a thing Didn't with stop it. Running. Maybe it was injection, you know, you know, special stuff in it. I don't know. And 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 people like uh, Neville Arrowsmith, who's been heavily involved in the game, he was over there, and and so it must have been a fun trip off the field as well. Because yeah, it sounds like they were a, yeah, it was great. a great bunch of bikes. It was, it was, it was great. And um, Barry Scott, who's since deceased, and his wife. Uh, I got on very, very well with them, and uh, and it was amazing, you know, the the the, the, the side like after the games, the strips would be taken up, and 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 the ladies in the group, the ladies and all that, they'd wash yeah. the shirts and things like this and dry them, and you know the, the things, the things that we all did together, yeah, was uh, was fantastic, and that, that's that's where we went. We went on the bus, we got off the bus, bus, we got back on the bus again, you know, went to Queenstown and Ricargo. We went, you know, it wasn't just playing football. Yeah. Went to these to see some magnificent sights, and uh, you know it was a great, a great thing in, in, in my in my mind to keep in my books. And yeah, and and probably uh, goes down to, and I've mentioned it a couple of times now. Your your sense of adventure, you know, yeah. um, from Scotland, a sort of working class upbringings, to yeah. then going to South Africa, Hong yeah. Kong, yeah. Australia, New Zealand, mm. and then trying all these different things and adventures. It, yeah. it must have just added to it. Oh, it's brilliant, you know. If you, you ask any of these boys that were on that trip, um, you know, they, I'm sure they would come along with, with the same sort of uh, uh, opinion. But uh, going on a bit, we played. Um, I think we played Dunedin, yeah, and um, we beat them. I think we beat them about two nothing, maybe two one. I actually chipped a tooth, and <laughs> um, that was quite a good story too. There's, there's a chap there who knew. His relative was, was was a dentist, and he took me, you know, after on the on that same evening, he actually took me back to his surgery and, and did it up for you me. You had some very good luck yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. Medically yeah, speaking, yeah, in yeah, New Zealand, you know, didn't that's you? That's right. Well, there you go. <laughs> and you know, I, I took him back. He said I offered to pay for it, and he said, "Oh no, we don't. You know, you'll insult me." And so, so, <laughs> so they go, "Who was it now?" There's not many times you can get away from yeah, uh, not dentist, paying for dentist. Right. I, I can't remember who it was, but it was a relative of of one of the guys in the side or a group or something like that, or knew somebody. He yeah. was there watching the game anyway with his wife, and he came back to the hotel. Things like that. we played in, we played in Eden, we beat them. Not today, but did the tooth, and we played another side, the local side. I forget who we were. I think it was we South. Um, I think we beat them about five nothing yeah. or something like that. But a very good side. We were supposed to go back to play. Um, Canterbury on a second, second on a second time, but the weather turned really, really really ugly, and uh, that was that was then postponed. That was a big big disappointment because, you know, it was it was interesting. We, we you know we, we were so proud of ourselves that day, and uh, I'm sure they were a little bit wait until we get you the second time type of thing. You know, <laughs> like but nah, that was. And it sounds like you guys would have been up for the challenge. Magnificent trip, and uh, one that I'll never. Blast in my memory. Well, I, I think as well. Um, there's many things, and and my podcast 
is trying to unearth them and and I think that's one of them that I've found by posting pictures and and programs from Justin Norris uh, had programs of of he's he was a emergency keeper yeah, I think there was just in the right. squad but, about that. Was, yeah, yeah. but it was such a, a great trip and such a great uh I guess moment in Illawarra football history mm. that it doesn't get talked about much. So it's great that you can yeah, speak yeah, of the yeah, trip very, and, very, very much so. and and the results as well as just the trip itself. Very very fortunate to uh, to have been to have been gotten the opportunity first of all because um, you know I, I don't know who missed out on, on getting into the yeah. side that you know you you feel a little bit you know, I'm sure there was somebody there with disappointments because yeah. I I had more or less come in. Even though it was four or five weeks ago, it's probably still a late stage. Mm. But uh, that's, that's, that's the way football, football goes. That's football. You know, it happened to me. I guess you've had both slices. It happened to me, your... so the way we go, yeah. It, uh, it came up my heads this time for me. Or <laughs> well, it is here where we finish part one of episode 49. Once again, I'd like to sincerely thank Jerry for the time he spent conversing with me on a couple of Sunday mornings. Please download part two of episode 49 as Jerry continues to speak about his football journey. As always, thank you for listening and downloading this podcast. I'm your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 